Friday, June 24th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue related gear. For you to make barbecue great again, can be found at manrubs.com or on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygear.usa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family have been canceled by Walmart. But don't worry. When you enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you're going to get those uh, original MyPillow savings. 1988. On the world's most uh, comfortable. 1988? Yeah, that's the price. 1988? 1988. Got some BOGOs going on still. Exactly. Sheets. Towels. Whole bunch of stuff. Giza Dream Everything. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear from the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, lacking the ability to knock the hustle, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright at Odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating as well. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard, especially today outside of the Supreme Court. When they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last and certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home, the zero fucks duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. You can find him on Facebook, find him on Instagram. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, newest Substack, Telegram, and more. 
On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on Truth Social, welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 146. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. You guys. Guys, we got a great show for you today. We're going to sit down with one of the digital creators from The National File, Kim Coulter. We're also going to have a little bit of uh, Border Wars with our favorite roving correspondent, Jorge Ventura. Senatorial candidate, Trump-endorsed America First out of Arizona, Blake Masters, is going to be here. And uh, we're going to sit down with the CEO of TMTG. Congressman Devin Nunes will be joining us for the first time today as well. So we got a huge Friday edition of the show lined up here. I kind of want to let this play a little bit because I like Mary J. Blige. There you go. But before we get to any of our guests, let's jump right into the breaking news. Well, I'm sure you guys both saw it today. Roe v. Wade is dead. So I'm sure we're all happy about that here on Steak for Breakfast. We are a uh, big pro-life America First podcast. Antoinette, cartwheels? Yes, I woke up very happy. I was like, oh, oh, damn. Hell yeah. Yeah. Wasn't expecting it this morning, that's for sure. There have been a lot of fire tweets today, but I think the best one I've seen so far was that Clarence Thomas has done more in the last 48 hours than the entirety of our elected officials have more or less done for the country in the last 200 years. <laughs> did you see? I agree. Did you see the meme where it was Clarence Thomas, but his head was on like the, the big dick black guy, but it was a like judge gavel yes. instead of the penis. <laughs> can't beat it. I don't know who made that one, but I'm sure it was one of our friends. You, you know what you really can't. Uh, well, let, let, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. There's a 213 page PDF, which I've linked on all of our social medias. It's on truth. It's on Instagram. You can find it in our story. Just click the link. But Samuel Alito, the justice who wrote uh, a large portion of the brief, I'm going to sum it up pretty much in a paragraph. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey aggregated authority. We overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. Now, inflammatorily, we've seen every... Minor and major legacy news outlets, CNN, MSDNC, CBS, all the bullshit ones, ABC, already pumping out the fact that the Supreme Court has pretty much outlawed abortion in the world. That's the way they're making it sound. But, um, oh but, it, but nothing changes in most of the states. Nothing changes at all. We just can all agree via the Constitution that there is the founders, the framers, there was no constitutional right of protection to having an abortion when they wrote the founding papers. So when it comes to a SCOTUS-level decision, they can only rule with what their binding article is, and that's the Constitution. Yep. And that's kind of where we're at. We did see some uh, – well, I've pulled a couple choice cuts, one from CNN and one from MSNBC. Uh, let's get into the meltdowns right off the bat. Are there any other types of cuts from CNN? <laughs> <laughs> choice. Is that the notion that just 24 hours ago the court found that the right – to own a gun, to carry a gun out on the street is so fundamental that yes. it cannot be left to the states to yes. sort it out. 
And yet today we find out that the right to be a woman and make a decision as a pregnant person about your own body is something that can cavalierly be disposed of uh, as state see fit is such, such a shocking, shocking piece of hypocrisy. It's almost impossible to countenance. Okay, what did we open up the segment with? Things that are in the Constitution and that were completely outlined by the founders, by the framers, and things that aren't in the Constitution. And she basically goes through a hypocritical rant right there, saying, like, I can't believe things that are in the Constitution, like guns, like, they don't think states can handle it. So it's there, and now everybody can carry them. But as far as women's bodies, which aren't in the Constitution because they won't, well, they probably were, but not on a scale they do now by the millions, coat-hangering babies out of wombs, Back when the, like, it wasn't like, you know how we do that poll every week, Rasmussen puts out, well, like, the actual things that are important to the country and then what the legacy media is? That would be in the legacy media. And it is. It's like number two or three. The right of the people to keep and bear vaginas shall not be infringed. And you keep and bear embryos. <laughs> Listen, and it's not funny, but these, these people are deranged. Um, oh, no. Some of the people that are at these pro protests are wild. I've seen the tweets, like, more complaints from the blue-haired meanies that no one will ever have sex with. Yeah. But the thing is, like, Roe versus Wade was based on the lie to yep. begin with. Yep. It's like, really, what are you arguing here? Well, I mean, they're arguing over a big virtue single because it really doesn't change anything. However, things have already started to change. Texas has proposed legislation that has already made it to Governor Greg Abbott's desk looking to outlaw abortions in Texas. And the great state of Mississippi has already signed that legislation. So now that the Constitu- or the uh, Supreme Court has kicked it back to the states, Mississippi already said we shan't be having any of that shit here. Nay more. I like it. CNN was next up on the list. Uh, former Zoom serial masturbator Jeffrey Tubin weighed in. Mm. I mean, we know he's probably a big fan of abortions because he was wasting his seed all over uh, his keyboard during COVID. Let's hear him. And as um, the, Justice Alito's opinion says, um, there, there's, the Constitution doesn't mention abortion. Correct. So there's no right to abortion. That's Correct. the end of the story uh, to him. Um, other justices feel that uh, the Constitution has to be interpreted in light of how the society has changed mm. and um, the, the sometimes described as a living constitution. It's not a living and, constitution. Uh, abortion rights was certainly, Roe v. Wade and the decisions ratifying it certainly was a decision that was based on uh, a living conception of the constitution. Um, the, the originalists are winning and uh, they won yesterday. Mm-hmm. With the carry, the concealed carry. And we won today with Roe v. Wade. Um, So then again, you have a clear example of legacy news media hypocritically going through monologues, trying to compare two different constitutions. One that is fantasy, where there is abortion, and a piece of paper has a pulse. Which is funny, because they want the Constitution to be alive so fucking much to kill babies. Even in that, it's hypocritical. They they want the document to live and breathe and be fluid so they can continue to murder. I just don't understand why there's no give and take on it. Like, obviously, late-term abortion is insanity. Like, just because it hasn't crested crested the fucking limit line there, then that's the only only difference. Like, we're going to just suck the baby's brain out with a shop vac because he only came out 
X, X amount of distance. Or they do that saw thing. And they oh, it's awful. Yeah. But, it, like, that's the thing that, that frustrates me the most about this is, like, these people that are for it, they have to be for, like, basically something that would be done in the dark ages to torture someone. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? You, you can't just... We can't agree to disagree that... Well, they think the beginning being part's bad, but then like <laughs> this part's really bad. Like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, Antoinette. They do think they're being tortured. Jim Jordan weighed in on the House floor as the, uh, and we'll get to a little bit later. In now, what is news two? It was news one before this broke this morning. Um, the Senate passed gun control legislation. He weighed in on the SCOTUS decision this morning before he got into his. Typical Jim Jordan rants. Tim. Gentlemen's recognized. Uh, Mr. Speaker, let me first, um, first say God bless the United States Supreme Court. Mm. And, and, God bless, and God bless President Trump for the people he selected for our highest court. Mm. Today's decision is a win for the Constitution and a win for the sanctity of human life. June 24, 2022, a win, a date that will be remembered for a win for the sacredness of human life. Now, this bill. Mr. Speaker, the rights spelled out in the First Amendment and protected by the Second We'll come back to, we'll circle back to that later. But uh, it was good to hear him acknowledge uh, what was breaking news on the House floor this morning before he got into his... Uh, rebuttal of the proposed gun legislation that is now back in the House and will at some point, probably this week, if not early next week, get a final vote. Um, Joe Biden, who embarrassingly revealed his... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, his handler's card yesterday. You enter the room and pull out your chair, and then you sit in it. Like, literally was the, some of the... Yeah, like on there. all caps, like a fact check. Like a kindergartner. <laughs> Yeah. It was really bad. Um, and you can't tell me that people are going to see that and be like, well, you know, that's just, you know, they do that to all presidents. I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> they do not. They do that to all geriatric. And very small children. Yes. You leave when yep. you're done. It, that's like Sit something down. you would give to a preschooler for the play. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like literally. You will not shit in the chair. Yes. Or your bed. <laughs> I like it. He came out this morning to deliver his comments on the uh, the decision. And, uh, well, for someone who claims to be an as devout or more devoted Catholic than Nancy Pelosi. I'm, I'm oh, he's a, dev- he's a devout Catholic? Very. Wow. But uh, I'm sure his comments won't surprise you. Make no mistake. This decision is a culmination of a deliberate effort over decades. Green screen. To upset balance of our law what is he supposed to be in front of like it's a realization a fancy of an door? extreme ideology and a tragic error by the supreme court in my view why would you need to green screen that the court has done what it has never done before expressly take away a constitutional right oh maybe he's supposed to be in the court so fundamental to so many americans that had already been recognized i mean at least green screen him behind some like rich leather-bound books or something at least he stayed true to himself and said the Supreme Court had removed a long-recognized constitutional right, which is completely a, a fallacy. E- 
that, yeah, that was the whole point of the ruling. I think that it wasn't a constitutional. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a Supreme well, Court you know, justice, these people obviously. have a separate constitution, so they could be referring to their their special constitution. <laughs> we do often reference the two tier justice system in this country. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a two tiered national anthem in this country now, too. True story. <laughs> Anyways, getting back into it. Um, so AOC was out in front of the Supreme Court this morning, retardedly with a megaphone. And the only, I didn't pull the audio clip because it's 30 seconds of her. Uh, they're like yelling, the decision is illegitimate. The decision is illegitimate. Take to the streets. Take to the streets. Literally. I, I screen grabbed it and, and reshared it. With the with the caption insurrection. Wait, wait. She was she was saying take yes. to the streets. Yes. That's not inciting a riot. Insurrection like behavior. It's not inciting. Well, this, they're not saying take to the freaking capital. It's in. That's just saying take to the, take to the streets. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and bother everybody else. They do miss the summer of love. It's just starting to get well. I mean, summer was starts on tu- started on Tuesday, so oh, here we man, are. And the fire's gonna make it so much hotter. Let's play time traveler a little bit. Not with our <laughs> guests, but with. Uh, let's go back to 2016, Presidential Debate 2, mm. um, moderated by former low ratings CNN Plus podcast host, Christopher Wallace. Okay, speaking of CNN Plus, I'm sure you have that clip, but... Of Carrie Lake? Oh, my God. Yeah, she, she lit him up. Oh, I, I tried to watch it. Gosh, I got cut off. Uh, oh, you got cut off? Like you have bad internet? No, no, no. I went to I went to play it, and then my son started, like, crying about something. I'm like, shit. So oh. I just remembered. I need to watch that. Or well, hear it. Let's hear Donald you Trump. You sure it wasn't the CNN uh, reporter? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know what to do with herself. Oh, it was amazing. Let's hear Donald Trump talk about uh, what his plans were when he first ran for president. You want to see the court overturn Roe Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices mm. on, that's really what's going to be, ha- that's will happen. And that'll happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. I will say this, it will go back to the states, and the states will then make a determination. Mm-hmm. Where, where it belongs. Exactly. So we've come full circle with that. We have achieved three SCOTUS appointments throughout the course of the Trump presidency, and they all weighed into the 6-3 decision today, uh, led by Justice Alito and uh, Clarence Thomas. I wonder how many Catholic churches are going to be attacked now and not, and the news not report on it because it's been happening now for weeks and weeks because of, because of this whole potential decision coming through. And all six of those judges that those all, all six of those weren't Trump appointees. No, just three. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I've left one out because he's usually the one that goes against. Yeah. And that's John Roberts. He did concur with the other. Yeah. Trump there's appointees. Even, even some of the ones that normally aren't, aren't on board for, you know, the plan, quote unquote, yep. voted voted for it. Yeah. So pretty yeah. interesting. Or against it. I'd just like to congratulate Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, no longer with us, but her 27-year stonewalling of this decision was all for naught. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's kind of where we're at. You know, the news is still developing. It's early in the morning on the West Coast here. The, the news broke about three-ish hours ago. Um, but you know, we're just going to keep our eyes on it as we get ready now to segue into, uh, sitting down with our first guest. All right. Joining us 
first on the show today. Uh, guests we've been looking forward to having on for quite some time. We've had on just about everybody else in the gang. We're going to have Matt Whitaker next Tuesday, but uh, he's a former congressman from California. He's also one of the co-stars of the uh, Plot Against the President, one of our favorite movies on Steak for Breakfast. He's currently the CEO of TMTG and uh, is the man running True Social. Mr. Devin Nunes, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. It's great to be with you guys. Um, we, I really appreciate you being on True Social. And, but I got to get you, we got to get you on Rumble. Though. We got to get you, we got to make this thing a video, video, you know, simulcast video along with audio. It'd be awesome. You know, you're not the first person to say that. We had quite a few people in our comment sections today saying that we need to get on Rumble as well. I think we might have to uh, investigate how to do that. Maybe we could do a static image and just upload the audio to the video server there and uh, collab it that way. But Congressman, thanks for joining us. How's everything going with you? Good. Everything's great. Uh, just arrived. I, I left uh, Florida yesterday, was back east on the East Coast for a few weeks and uh, got back here to California, greeted by you know homeless people in campments and everything else that are right across the street from my house, which, is, which is always nice. I don't see that in Florida, <laughs> although I was in New York uh, City for a couple of days, and Oof. that's uh, basically comparable to California. <laughs> uh, you guys know how it is. It's a little it's sad to watch the state you know go to go to hell in a handbasket over the last you know, from when I was a kid, you know, it's sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from here as well. It is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm from here as well, and just watching it just slowly go around the drain is disappointing. Yeah, it's like a slow-motion mo- uh, uh, toilet bowl flushing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. funny, too, because a lot of our radical progressive uh, Congress people from out here don't even – well, they own property in the state, but they usually don't reside here. Like Adam Schiff lives in Virginia, and Nancy Pelosi is always looking to buy up real estate with the money she gets from insider trading. So, mm. uh, you know, it, it's funny. that they just Well, kinda... well we, know, we know now that she has a nice place in Napa Valley. That, too. Now, now whether or not she – I'm not sure if she goes there, but we know her husband frequents there <laughs> late at night. <laughs> not like, sure out on the roads driving around late at night in napa valley interesting crashing into everything oh yeah man. yeah, yeah it, you it, know what's you know what's interesting about that is so i'm a, a i was one of the founding uh, members of a of a great little winery there called alpha omega and it's right on the 29 i've been there you know quite a few times um visiting there and the the thing that's if you if any of you and the listeners have ever been in napa valley one thing, you know, wine tasting occurs during the day yeah. and, and basically the winery is all closed somewhere between five and six o'clock. Maybe people go have some dinner, but you know, that place turns into a, a ghost town by like dark. I mean, you don't even like there are by, by nine, 10 o'clock, there are no cars on the road out there. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting just, uh, what, you know, what was, uh, Pelosi's husband doing on the road at, 11 o'clock at night. I don't know. Probably off-roading. <laughs> yeah. Food, f- <laughs> food, food for thought. Oh, Very strange. I, I got to knock down these crops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can only speculate, but that's, that's some of the great content we can only get on steak for breakfast. So, Congressman, True Social has launched incredibly in such a short amount of time. Uh, you know, your podcast is back. I heard your episode with Cash Patel yesterday. We were talking about it before you came on the show today. And, uh, you know, you're hard on yourself. You start talking about, like, this, some of the things you guys got coming down the road and, and fixing the things and how you guys have to do it organically because you don't want to lean on big tech and Silicon Valley to uh, rely on any of the great features that we're having on the platform right now. But um, 
at, at the end of the day, you do have to say it, it, it's been a pretty great success. You know, you got President Trump interacting with his uh, base and more again. What can you say to how the launch has gone and, and how much of a change is it for you to have left Congress and then jump into like, you know, the business sector? And now you're you're running like w- what basically is a, a very successful social media platform. Well, first off, it's very good, good, good question. Let me kind of take the, the last part of that. You know, when I left politics, um, I assumed that I would have less politics and kind of more issues than with, you know, just kind of staffing and personnel, that sort of issues, you know, running a business. I had run, you know, previously, you know, been in the agricultural business before, mm-hmm. before I went to Congress. So I just assumed that, you know, naturally it would just kind of move, right, where my the politics would lessen and kind of personnel and business issues would be more difficult. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, it's just been incredible to see how the politics of this job are just so intense because of the hatred of President Trump. It's like they just can't, they, they just can't get a, enough. The left just can't stand that we're successful. And to see, I mean, it, it really is, it, it, it's in par or even higher than at the height of the Russia hoax that I was in the, in the middle of as the, as you guys, I'm sure your listeners know, I was the first guy to come out and call BS on that deal. And of course just got pummeled, you know, year after I should, I still get, I still get pummeled every day on that, on that. But, but to see, to know the level of when every single fake news organization, which is 95% in this country are targeting you, you know, I lived under that for several years in a row and it started to, to go down a little bit, obviously, when President Trump was no law. So in 2021, still in Congress, it was it, it became a little less. Right. And the second that I took the job uh, with the TMTG, with True Social, it's back up to those levels. again. It's just every single day there are fake news story after fake news story. The craziest stuff that, that you could you guys could even imagine. And if, if you don't know my rule. Um, is that I don't respond to the fake news. I don't even recognize them as actual news outlets. So our policy at True Social is we don't respond to fake news. So, which is probably a little different than most the most companies. Now we 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 work. I'll go on anyone's podcast that's normal uh, and that wants to just get to you know get to the facts. Uh, I'll do uh, news outlets that are that are normal. You know, like. And talk to reporters that, are, that, that, you know, are in that kind of 5% bucket, but we just don't respond to these fake news outlets, but it's every single day, guys, I get like stuff straight out of, of like the, the craziest conspiracies you could possibly think of. I've actually thought about, and maybe we'll do it. Maybe I'll start doing it at some point. And maybe I'll do it on the podcast if we ever go live with the, with, our, with my podcast. So I had my podcast for, for several years that yep. I used when I was in Congress to get around the fake news media so people could hear directly from me. And we brought it back yesterday. I had Cash Patel on, and we're using it to just highlight things that I like. It's going to be different than what the podcast was before. I was Before, it was more policy-oriented. Or, now I want to use it to highlight folks that come on to True Social or great content creators. That's why we had Cash on yesterday. Uh, might talk about wine or something like that. Things that things that I like. Uh, but as as we move forward, I'm actually thinking about because these people are so bat, you know what, crazy. And these are 
So all of the main frame or you know, mainstream media that you can think of, they have the craziest conspiracy theories you've ever heard of, including knowing there's fraudulent documents, knowing there's fraudulent posts on other platforms, and they send us this crazy stuff and spin up these stories. So one of the things I'm actually thinking about doing, I don't know, this is just, just I'm just throwing this at the wall with you guys, but I'm actually thinking about just like, look, here's this journalist and here's these three journalists you all heard of that work for this company. Here's the questions that they ask. Look at how crazy they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, for all the, for all the attacks that they do on, on the right for, you know, that, that, you know, we're all right wing crazies, lunatics. I've never seen, and and look, we do have a lot of crazy conspiracy things in politics and uh, on the right for, for sure. But I've never seen this kind of stuff that you, that, that, that's coming from the Democrats on the left. It is crazy. That's like, and I'll just, I mean, the one from the, the latest one just from this week is this one on that, that somebody went over to one of the other platforms and posted that President Trump had blocked them. <laughs> okay. Now, okay. So first of all, it was quickly, to, you know, easy to find out that it looked, it was doctored. Uh, second of all, it's kind of funny because President Trump, I don't think would even know how to block anymore. <laughs> oh, so, you know, I've never asked him, but, but he's very much against that. The, the president wants people to have their voice back. He doesn't care. Like we welcome Gavin Newsom onto the platform. Um, he likes the, actually, I think the you know, if the attacks are normal, not the, not the illegal, you know, stuff, but, but I think if people are attacking him on, on, on his policies, he doesn't mind that being on the platform. So the whole idea that true social would be going around and president Trump would be going around blocking people is just idiotic. It's totally idiotic. Uh, Especially when you take into consideration that we're building out major features that we're launching, we're rolling out like every, you know, you know, every week to, to two weeks, we're rolling out massive features, major upgrades to this platform. The last thing we have time to do is worry about somebody that posted something about, you know, anything. Like, you know, we don't we have to keep off the, the bots and the spam and the illegal accounts. Sure. But anyway, I'm right. trying to, I went on that little um, tirade just because I think it's just hysterical. And you mentioned about the podcast. It's one of the things I think we may, it may be worth doing. I, you know, I don't know, because I don't know how else you deal with these freaks. They're animals. I mean, they really are freaks, freakish animals like you guys have never seen. I would do it. I think it's a good idea just to, so people could see for themselves because it's so, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Maybe put their picture up, put <laughs> yeah. their, you know, put their email up on the screen. I, you know, I don't know. Freak I mean, of the I'm week. just, <laughs> I, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's, it's actually embarrassing. Maybe if we just started doing that, you know, maybe then, you know, maybe they'd be more careful about what they right. send to us, but you know, no, like you- I can't even, I don't even have time. Like we don't even, our, our team, you know, we're small, small and mighty, you know, we don't even, it, it's almost a joke. Like there's so many of these crazy conspiracy theories that come in daily from the fake news that we don't even really have time to deal with it. Right. I mean, it's, it's so much I would spend all day long responding to conspiracy theories. And it's, you know, it's the classic because remember, I mean, you know, the saying, but whatever the left accuses you of doing, that's what they're actually doing. Yep. Right. It's for sure with the fake news for absolutely. For sure. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, their greatest weapon is projection. And uh, I think it's at the end of the day, they they don't want to see you. They don't want to see President Trump. Uh, it's like the, throughout the course of his administration, if he was popular in some area or right on some issue and he was going to be successful in, in what his agenda was going to be, they're going to just turn blue in the face to try and delegitimize it and, uh, you know, make it seem irrelevant. But, you know, the more, like you said, if it's constant inundation of just ridiculous conspiracy theories and, and claims of stuff that just aren't true, then you know you guys are right over the target with developing a, uh, a top-tier platform, and you guys have done an excellent job of rolling it out. We're looking really forward to uh, some of those, uh, you know, updates that you guys have, you know, you just mentioned today, and you talked a little bit out on your podcast yesterday with Cash, and we'll live link your podcast in the show description today so all of our listenership can get over there. They love when he comes on the show, and uh, you guys had a great episode yesterday. So, Devin, one of the things that's, that's you know, big in the news today, and, and Donald Trump uh, teased it all the way back in the presidential debates of 2016, is what would happen if he uh, not only won the presidency but was able to get two or three Supreme Court judges up on the bench. Uh, we saw, you know, Roe v. Wade get killed today, and uh, obviously it's caused a lot of meltdowns. Um, what do you think, you know, another promise kept from President Trump took a little bit longer than the course of the four years that he was in the Oval Office this time. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that he was definitely focused on with the, through the vetting and, you know, the whole process of selecting judges. And today it, it, it bared its fruit. What do you think about that whole topic? Well, well the, legis the legislative process that I was involved in works very, very slow. You got to work with the executive branch. The executive branch on some issues can move quickly, but also has to work with the legislative branch. So progress is, you know, can be very, very slow, you know, as you as you work through, you know, making uh, changes, uh, you know, leg you know, legislation, oversight, things of that nature. But the courts are very, very slow, uh, but they live for a long time. Yeah, and that's this is probably at the heart of what really bothers the left so much that that Hillary Clinton lost was it was the, they know what they lost with the court. They lost you know, three appointments to the Supreme court. And it's a, it's, it's something that they just can't stand because, you know, they're trying to really transform this country in a Marxist way to take away people's rights. The easiest way they can do that is by controlling the courts. And we see the courts have become, at least on the left, they've become horribly political. Yeah. Um, yeah. The people that have been, uh, you know, point. I mean, this, even, even the Supreme Court justice we have now on the left, they're 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 awful. Um, you know, they're not. You know, you can say what you want about uh, Ginsburg. You know, she was left wing, but you know, at the end of the day, she was, uh, you know, thought you know thoughtful. And you know, I think you could say that about um, several of the Supreme Court justices over the last forty years. 50 years that, that, that were appointed by Democrats or actually some appointed by Republicans mm -hmm. that turned out to be turned out to be Democrats. But the ones they have on there now are, are a joke. And you also have, you know, there's a lot of other uh, appointees that have been made um, by uh, Obama, uh, by uh, um, uh, Bill Clinton, you know, that, that are, you, you know, you're almost guaranteed that if something gets to one of those judges, almost, almost every time it's going to be, if you're a Republican, they're going to side with the against you. It, do, it almost doesn't matter what the issue is. So, so look, just to kind of finish th th that, this up, uh, the last two days are what is what has been bothering the left in this country for so long because ultimately everything works slow. The decisions come slow because somebody has to file 
it's not just about getting that the Supreme Court made up of, of normal people that, that are constitutionalists and will follow the Constitution, but it's also somebody has to bring cases to where judges can hear the case and then make a decision that would ultimately change outcomes. And that's what you saw the last two days with the uh, with the states' rights issues on both guns and, of course, the big one on abortion. And, I'll, and finally, I'll just say that I think the leak, which is unprecedented, and it's I can't believe they haven't found the leaker yet, right. which is outrageous, but it may, may have hardened Roberts. Like, I, I find it a little hard to believe that Roberts, the way that he's been deciding things the last, uh, you know, several years, I bet – and we will never have any way to know this unless, you know, Robert someday, you know, wrote this down somewhere in a, in a secret place. But my guess is, is that he was probably against these decisions the last two days. But I think because of the leak, because of the rioting, because of the attacks, maybe, hopefully, I don't know, I don't have a lot of faith, but these guys have seen the light and understand that what's been happening here, that they've conveniently in this country, this dark chapter of American history that started with Trump, even though he was an easy scapegoat for this, where right. he kind of just ripped the Band-Aid all, off of all of this. But what started with, oh, what the hell, we can corrupt the FBI and DOJ, have them invest Trump, everybody hates Trump, so what, you know, why do we even care? I mean, that's what they were doing. And they politicized the, the Justice Department. They had politicized even before that and got away with the, the IRS during o Obama's tenure. Yep. And then things get, you know, and things just got worse and worse and worse to the point where, you know, people wanted to make these politically correct decisions and not seeing the world as it is. They see the world the way they want it to be, which is everybody wants to believe the news. Everybody wants to say, oh, I remember Walter Conkright, blah, blah, blah. You guys have heard all that crap. Well, it doesn't exist anymore. And if you don't understand that there are a two, there's a two tiered justice system in this country, there's a two tiered government overall in this country. Laws don't matter to the left. They're and they're promoting absolute lawlessness. And if you don't realize that, you've got a big problem. So mm -hmm. look, I, we could go on and on about this, but I just hope that maybe Roberts has seen the light and maybe these justices are going to say, okay, we have to stand up. If they don't stand up, no one will. I can tell you the executive branch, even, even under Trump, and not, and I don't, this is not no, this is no attack on President Trump. But the bureaucracies are totally out of control. Sure. I mean, in D.C., 95% of the people that work at those bureaucracies are left wing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to deal with them for, for 20 years. <laughs> so you've got a, a, a rotting, decaying bureaucracy in, in the government agencies. It's transferred now to these hallowed agencies of intelligence and the military, yep. which, which, you know, for a long time was, was, you know, military, you could always make fun that, oh, they're inefficient. They, you know, buy gold toilets and that sort of thing. <laughs> you remember the jokes from the 80s. Well, I mean, now they're like woke CRT, you know, all this, all this crap. I mean, never to what I thought that that would have happened five years ago to our military, and of course, the Department of Justice and the FBI and the other intelligence CIA. It's gone completely. It's gone completely crazy. And then you've got, you know, the complete. I mean, obviously, I left Congress because I believe in this mission. I believe in opening the internet back up, and we can get into. I'll be glad to talk about any of that with you, but but also the decay of Congress, of that institution. So you've got decay of the bureaucracies in, in across the board and executive branch, the, the complete decay of the Congress. 
where you've got essentially, and I, when I was first elected, you had Bernie Sanders was actually in the House. I served in the House of Representatives with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I remember back in those days, the the votes would be, you know, you, you, there'd be a bill up there and it would be like, you know, 400 to 20, or something, you know, something like that, right? And it would always be like Bernie Sanders and these, you know, radical left socialists, like either people who were outright socialists or who wanted to, you know, wanted to be socialists. But there were only like 20 of them, maybe, you know, maybe 30 at the most. And now over that time period, um, you know, you don't, I, I would guess that 80% of them are, are socialists or at least of the Democrat caucus are socialists or have to pretend that they're socialists. Yeah. And that's a very dangerous place for this country to be. So you've got Marxism has essentially rotted out the core of the Congress. Um, you, you see it and the bureaucracies. And so, you know, the last place, the last thing standing are the courts. So it's possible that this leaker, highly illegal leak should be prosecuted, may have actually done more harm than good if indeed Roberts is going to begin to make tough constitutionalist decisions. I hope that's the case. Mm. That's a really great point you make. And, you know, with, with the decisions just coming out in the last 24 hours, it's not one that I've heard go through the news cycle yet. So, you know, you're kind of breaking some news here just with that speculation. But it's definitely something that I can agree with you on. I, I was surprised at the 6-3. to three, And then when I saw, you know, there was a bunch of people tweeting out in the beginning right when the decisions were coming down both yesterday and today that John Roberts was in on both of these. I was like, hmm. And I had to just sit back and kind of reflect for a minute because, yeah. you, you know, it's one of those things where uh, – Especially with the uh, Roe v. Wade, because that was a, a Donald Trump promise. And, you know, John Roberts and him did not see eye to eye on a lot of uh, decisions that came down throughout the course of the Trump presidency. And, Congressman, you know, you, you touched on something that's really important. It's one of the backbones of our show. It's it's probably 1A uh, for President Trump right now, equal up there with, you know, true social and, and, and what he's doing. It's the upcoming midterm elections. Uh, those numbers in the House and Senate right now are very disappointing. We saw all those Republicans jump in today to uh, go ahead and, and pass that gun legislation that, that's been proposed. Now it's on its way to Joe Biden's desk uh, with the help of 14 Senate Republicans and, and, and uh, a majority vote in the House. And, uh, you know, one of the things that President Trump has done, both through True Social and with the power of being Donald Trump, is try to get this nation back on track in the way he's going through and vetting and supporting and rallying for and endorsing these America first candidates across the country. We've had almost all of them on our show. We've heard their, their platforms. We get personal with them and talk about their family. Some of the stuff that's going on, you know, not just uh, the top two or three pillars of their campaign campaign platforms, but we, we go through the backstory. We want, we want to hear what's going on and we try to let our listenership hear their hearts. You have been in Congress for so long, you know how crucial of a time this is to win back the House and Senate, but not just with numbers, with the right type of men and women that are going to help get this country actually on track by stopping the Biden administration's legislative agenda now and then take, parlaying that into a strong uh, you know, presidential primary shortly thereafter. What can you say about what you've seen from this election cycle, maybe how hard President Trump's been working, some of the great new fresh faces that are coming through and up in the ranks right now that, you know, you have political outsiders who have no business anywhere inside the beltway before this midterm election cycle, and they're surging in the polls in, in multiple states. It, ha it has to be a little bit refreshing for someone who saw all this bad stuff, the, like you said, the rotting of the core of the Senate going on while you were there, everything from what they did to President Trump going into office, the Russiagate investigation, the impeachment hoax, BSs, and the January 6th crap that they got going on now which side note i think is funny that they canceled tonight's primetime event because 
AOC and Maxine Waters and a whole bunch of House people are out there trying to get people to go and uh, burn a whole bunch of businesses down in Washington, D.C. for this Roe v. Wade verdict. It would be pretty hard to have insurrection in prime time when you have all of your constituents out there burning literally the city <laughs> down around. Yeah, yeah. Man, ply- plywood is really expensive right now. It must be expensive to protect your building. A lot of the stores are boarded yeah. up, though. But, Congressman, what do you think about this election cycle? It, it's different than, you know, me and Noah are in our mid-40s, Antoinette's in her 30s. Like, I've never seen an election cycle with, like, such a weird, like, but good, diverse group of people who are bringing more than just, like, we're going to do immigration reform and uh, we're going to do tax reform. We're going to, you know, try to fix health care. This is, like, a different brand of, of Republicans who are, like, we're going to shut down the borders. We're going to open investigations and actually hold people accountable. We're going to push back on this administration and make sure we get the right people in there so we get this country back on the right track again. Yes. So I've been around a while. Yeah. And and I'm not that old, but my first election that I that I worked in uh, for candidates, I was uh, I worked in 1994, um, which as you were like probably not even born then. I was okay. eight, I'm 86. I was, I was a junior in high school. Um, <laughs> I was in high school. So, so that was my first, I was in, I was in college and that was the first uh, campaign that I worked. You know, I didn't know much. I just went around putting up signs and uh, had, had volunteered uh, as a, for Pete Wilson, who was probably the last gov- good governor that we had of, yeah. of California. And that was uh, an amazing uh, time for me and nobody, I mean, I remember but that night, you know, I'd obviously watched politics as a kid, you know, I had all this interest in politics because of agriculture and water issues here in California. That's what drew me into politics. Um, but this, uh, you know, we didn't expect that to happen, right? No, I think it was quite something to be a part of. Then we witnessed it again, where I was knee deep in it. I was on the, the Republican, the National Republican Congressional Committee. I was in Congress 2010. We believed that we could win, but we didn't know for sure. And of course it was a big wave. And that was largely because people rejecting uh, the crazy wild Obama agenda. And we, and we got pushed into, into power there. And, you know, we really held that power. And I think we would have continued to hold that power had it not been for the corruption of DOJ and FBI and their involvement with the Clinton campaign and the Obama administration that ta- just tarnished it, put President Trump's whole entire cabinet, uh, you know, under an investigation that was based off what their political enemies were able to entrap the DOJ to do. And if you look back at 2018, we still, even though we lost control of Congress, we were close. Yep. Like we were in there. And what happened was, is you know, we just lost so many people. And even in 2020, you know, we lost a lot of people. If you if you look at those polls, and one of the reasons why I, I, I left Congress was because of the manipulation of, of propaganda. You still had half. I mean, any poll showed 50 to 55 percent of Americans, despite all the work we had did done to disprove the Russia hoax. Even in 2020, when they went to the polls, they believed that well. Trump must have had something to do with Russia. It has, has to be, there has to be something. And that was kind of my, you know, getting onto parlor and, and, and rumble and being shadow banned by the tech tyrant platforms. I realized that, oh my God, like it's the, it, the these, what they're doing is it's the fake news. I don't mind 95% fake. I'll take the five. Like we do real investigative work on the, on the center, right? Uh, we have great reporters, great investigative reporters. And, 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 you know, you could see where 
The, the problem would be though, is that that five oftentimes can stand up to in a, in a, in a normal arena, political arena, but the political arena has basically become what comes in through your phone or device or laptop and what gets into your brain. And that's being delivered through social media companies. And, and that's where, you know, where I basically had to say, you know, look, it's, uh, you know, w- when President Trump called me to do this, I, and I went around the country in 2021, sure. Uh, sure. you know, talking about this, talking about this issue. But I think that's why, you know, why the mission we're doing at Truth Social is, is so critically important. And, you know, we have to be not only a place for free speech and a place where we're going to open the Internet back up, give people their voice back. But we have another really important role. And I think maybe you guys, since you guys listened to the podcast yesterday, you know, we have to compete with Instagram. Like we have to have features We, you know, we're not going to have the years of, of time to do it, the billions of dollars that they've invested. But, you know, our goal is to have a very easy to use product that takes the best of all these tech tyrant platforms and puts it into one so that simple to use, um, no algorithms on the, on the, on the, the basic feed. Um, but we, you know, we're trying to get better video, longer video, um, some additional timelines, lists, all these things that we're trying to build out on the platform. And it's, it's critically important where we can be, you know, one, we have a natural home of just getting people that have been disenfranchised, right? And that's, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit that have joined the platform so far uh, are those people that, that got booted off of fascist <laughs> book and, and uh, whatever the, uh, you know, the titter sewer, you know, that it's called. Um, but but the next level to get where probably a lot of your friends are, uh, that where you where you where you're getting you know look, probably for a legitimate you know hundred million Americans are on Instagram, right? And yeah. and there's a higher percentage or in, you, in additional numbers if you take Facebook. Although I do think Facebook is is dying a little bit. Yeah. And then of course you've got younger people that are on that are on TikTok. TikTok. So. You know, we've got it's it's a real uh, interesting. We have to we have to we have to build it by ourselves. We can't use any of these these tech tyrant uh, companies like AWS that killed Parler. Mm-hmm. And so everything we do has to be slow, methodical, brick by brick. And people just have to understand that you know we're not going to have things overnight, right? We had to start first with beta, first with Apple, and everybody's like, "Why aren't you on all these platforms?" Like, guys. We got to build that. We don't. We don't have anybody to call. I can't just call up. Hey, Bezos, you got some uh, servers I can borrow? You know, <laughs> exactly. I can't. You know, we can't. Do, we, it doesn't work that way. So people have to understand that we're building this. We're testing it. We make sure it works. Like everything we come out with, we're beta testing, make sure it works. And we're going to have these these features are going to build out slowly, and they're not going to be perfect. But that's because we have no other way to build this. And so. It's exciting. It's fun. It's 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 probably the most exciting time I've I've ever had uh, in my life to do something like this. I'm honored to be in a position to do it, entrusted with this, you know, tremendous, you know, uh, power really that people are giving to me and President Trump uh, because of your willingness to be on the platform and participate. Uh, it's really just every day I get you know when I get on you know and I spend a lot of time on Truth. It's moving to just to, to hear people, to see people, the things that have, that have, that, that, you know, people that they haven't seen in many years. So it's exciting. And I think that, you know, just what I, what I'd like to just express to people who are listening, number one, go join true social, but yes. number two, understand, you know, we're not going to be Facebook tomorrow and Instagram. It, it, you know, it's not going to happen. 
But I do believe that the features we're coming out with over the course of the next couple of weeks, uh, and then once we get approval by, by Google to be on the Google Play Store, uh, we're gonna have a pretty damn good product. And it's still got a ways to go, but it's gonna get us to that point where, you know, not quite Instagram, but I think you could go to your friends that maybe aren't just interested in the news, politics and that sort of thing, but you could say, hey, this is a really cool platform. Like it's easy to use, it's got cool features and you can check stuff quickly. Uh, that's where I think we can be at in the next, you know, by the end of, by the end of July, we should, we should be there with that. And then after that, it would be making these, these other improvements that would get us closer uh, and closer to like the Facebooks and some of those features. Yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, you're not lying from firsthand account. And the three of us could tell you, we've been doing this for three years now. We have interviewed and we'll just use like the, the galaxy of Trump world. We've literally interviewed everybody now, except Dan Scavino and Donald Trump, like literally everyone from mm -hmm. the former administration, you know, people who, well, not, you're not the only one I can't get, we can't even find Scavino. Cash and I are trying to find him. I, know, I, heard, him on the I heard he's MIA. I'm going to have to go make some memes about him being lost later. No one's going to have to find a good video to put at the end of the show today too. Well, there's on, on truth right now. One of the trending uh, hashtags is hashtag where's Dan. Oh, <laughs> I'll make sure I tag him with that too. I was tagging him all during the Ranger series because Scavino and I are huge Ranger fans, even though they turned out they didn't. Well, we all know what happened, but maybe <laughs> next year. But it's just one of those things. In three years, Congressman, we have had on guest after guest content like you don't get on regular shows. Like we, we do longer interviews. We do more personal interviews. We put out everything on our social medias. The engagement across the platform, zero. Zero. It's yeah, like, not really. It's like negative yeah. our interactions and they change our number. It's just bizarre. It's hilarious. So I kind of gave up on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, then we get on then we yeah. get on True Social and it's like you you reshared yeah. one of my uh whatever. I think I I posted a video this morning, you shared it uh and I was literally getting hundreds of notifications at once. Like I showed my wife, I was like, look at it. It looks like it's like vibrating. It just kept saying like, likes, like, likes, 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 like share, 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 follow. And I'm like, I've never seen anything like that before in three years as what you would, I guess you would call a content creator and, and never had my content that I created go anywhere. Well, you had it go away. Yeah. It, it would usually get deleted times. Or, or reported for false information. We've lost eight Twitter accounts two Instagrams. We don't even operate on Facebook cause I don't want them to like nuke all my wedding pictures and stuff. So it, it's so, <laughs> it's so amazing to be on true social and actually put in the work that goes into doing this show twice a week with the guests we have on and the content we try to bring, keep everybody informed. You know, we do cover to cover Trump rally coverage. We're the only podcast in the country that does it. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's really satisfying to put the show up there and to see a, a couple hundred people retruth it. Yeah. I'll be like, well, I, I just want to know why you're, you know, the name is steak for breakfast. So I thought you guys would at least like provide me like, you know, some, <laughs> Omaha steak, you know, I don't know, something that I could be eating here while we I'm We got some sausage. Thing. You want some sausage? <laughs> oh, you got, oh, you guys are eating that. Okay. Okay. So it's legit. No, you know what? You Anybody that comes in studio knows he's got the grill. He's got the smoker. One of our uh, partners is Man Rubs. It's a, it's a, it's a spice rub. It's not anything inappropriate, but uh, we'll, do, we'll do it up for you if we ever get together. You know, Cash says at some point this summer we're hanging out, so we're tr still trying to figure out where and when he teased bed, maybe Bedminster. There's also a uh, possible Cary Lake rally coming up at some point in July, which we would go to if Max and him said he would go. Um, but we're trying to get everybody together. Christina Bob's a great friend of our show. She comes on at least once a month, usually twice. And uh, she said if something goes down in Arizona, she might uh, have to come out here as well. So we're just trying to uh, 
get the band back together and uh we're trying to do the best job we can out here we really appreciate the fact that you took so much time out of your busy schedule congressman to come down and share with us today i think our listenership's really going to enjoy uh hearing all the stuff that's going on with you and then you know there were so many questions that you'd answered yourself before i could even ask you like part of walking away of congress like what the political landscape looks like and then everything about true social i think it's going to be uh guaranteed we're going to have to invite you back at some point in the future yeah, well, one of the one of the things you were talking about the you know the reach of True Social. Yeah, I, I can tell you that you know as somebody who was shadow banned early on by the Titter Sewer, <laughs> and you know that had a real impact. You know now that I look back, because they were able to they they use that sewer pit to create fake news narratives, right? And that's why the left is so against Elon Musk. They're so scared of losing that power and control mm-hmm. because. Titter is not a place that people go to actually do social networking. It's basically a place people that Hollywood celebs and other weirdos and political hacks like make like put out their press releases on. Right. That's really what it's for. Right. And uh, and look, and it's got a global brand. There's, there's no question about that. But normal people don't 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 go to, uh, you know, to the little blue bird. But it is effective because all of the fake news and the conservative news use what people put out on that platform as basically reading press releases. So it's a way that people kind of express themselves in that, in that, in that kind of public square. And, you know, that's not what we're, what we're trying to be. But one of the things you said that, that, you know, that got close to home is that is uh, Instagram. Um, You know, I knew about, you know, I knew what, what Twitter was doing, but one of the disappointing things for me was, uh, getting onto Instagram. I liked Instagram um, for anybody who, had, well, you, you probably couldn't find me even if you went to look, but, um, <laughs> Same. but I, I would put up fun stuff on Instagram. I would put up, you know, like grill. I like to grill. I like wine. I like, you know, I like to grow things. I like to talk about agriculture, farming things, and of course, politics. And I had fun with it. And what was, what was interesting is, is that I shot up from from when I, from the time I started and I quickly like almost overnight like in, I want to say in a month or two I got to 50,000 followers and I don't know that was like four years ago now or something and I've basically been capped for the last at least couple of years at a hundred thousand followers mm. now now taken you know if you look at you know you know, right. I don't know where I'm at today on, uh, on truth, but I'm guessing I'm getting close to, you know, 750,000 followers yep. and yeah. we are, we, you know, we're only, you know, we're not even on what well, you can use your Android. I want to make sure I'm clear on this for everybody. You can use your Android, go to truthsocial.com, and you can actually get an account. It's just a little bit more complicated that we're not in the Google play store, but you can get an account, but we're, we're basically on, we have an app on the iPhone. We, you can access through the web browser and we're only in the United States of America. And we haven't even branched out beyond that to, to other countries where we you know, likely pick up a lot of, a lot of users. And I'm at already at 750,000 followers and, you know, their 99% are, are real people with real accounts. Yep. And one of the things that struck me that you guys said here is that, you know, I wouldn't have, I would have never heard of you guys. You guys have been doing this for three years and, and look, I think I'm a guy who's generally pretty well, you know, well read and pay attention closely to politics. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and this is, you know, something that I, I didn't even know about you guys until True Social. 
yeah. along with, along with, I mean, I bet there's a hundred people just like you. I'm like, Oh, wow. I've never seen these guys before. No, you know, like this, this wild man, Steve Inman, yeah. um, who makes fun of Antifa all the time. <laughs> like the fucking freaking, sorry, that was a bad word, but the guy is, he's, he's a wild man. Like he got, it's <laughs> super funny. Like, why haven't I heard of this guy? <laughs> Where, yeah. I mean, and you know why I, I slipped like that cuss word? Cause he's always cussing. I'm probably watching Don't worry, I swear. too much on, I'm, I'm, I'm watching his stuff too much on true social now, but here's a guy who got on the platform. I don't know, a month ago. And granted he's taking off because people like him, yeah. including me he has over a hundred thousand followers already. And he just got a sponsor. Amazing. Wow. And this guy's been out there for, I don't know how long doing these videos, but years, he's amazingly years. talented yeah. along with all, along with all these meme makers. So <laughs> anyway, it's, um, it, it's quite, you, you guys are exactly right. I mean, so, you know, you asked me a question about, you know, I told you about 1994. I told you about 2010. Then I told you about kind of this dark chapter. And I feel like 2022 is shaping up to be um, something that we've never seen before. Like but it, it, it only happens if we keep the true socials of the world on the right path growing and the rumbles of the world on the right path and growing, because if not, and you guys have made the point for me, just what you, what you just said, people have to know you exist. Yeah. Right. People have to know steak. I was going to call you steak and potatoes, but steak for breakfast. That you guys actually exist. And the only way for people to know that you exist is going to be through true social right. in, in places like rumble. And, and we've got to really, um, you know, you know, and, and, and I'm saying this not as a not as a former Republican politician. I'm saying this as an American that, you know, I don't care if you vote Republican or, or, or Democrat, but the mission of our company is you need to hear both sides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to hear both sides. You need to hear from a Steve Inman who makes fun of Antifa and rightfully calls out their crap and from a, a steak for breakfast, um, just as you should hear from, all, you know, you name your favorite fake news news outlet. It's not right that that doesn't happen. So, you know, that's why, you know, we welcome a lot of, you know, some of my friends like, oh, what the hell, you know, you, you know, why Newsom's on the platform. Well, yeah, you, you know, you should hear, you should hear from Newsom. Yeah. That's the point of the platform. Yeah. Right. That's the whole point. Right. And so I, we're open to everyone, but I think the thing that's going to make a difference in the 22, 2022 election is all of these people who have been in the shadows, basically shadow band like yourselves are now seeing the light. You're coming, you're coming into the light like you've never seen before. And, and I knew that. And, and anyway, I, I don't know how much time you guys, but all this, the quick, the quick numbers, you guys have probably heard the story before, but what, what really uh, convinced it for me was, was convincing for me was I was the first guy to go on parlor from Congress. Yep. And I, and quickly I surpassed after being on, on in the titter sewer for, for at that point, I don't know, 11 years or whatever the hell it was, being on Instagram, okay? And like, boom, like right away, like I went grew, 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 like when it just a matter of, of you know, of, of a year, you know, and when Parler was finally shut down, you know, I was, I was you know, I had millions of followers on Parler. On Rumble, the way, the way that I got into Rumble, it was it's kind of a funny story, is... Uh, Dan Bongino, who I'm sure you guys and your listeners are, are familiar with. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I started my own podcast, audio podcast, just like what you guys have. And it was it was to get around the fake news because I was getting, you know, it was the only way I had to communicate 
to my constituents and my supporters around the country was to do a, a podcast. If not, if I didn't do that, people wouldn't even hear from me, yep. right? They would just read crazy ass headlines that were that were defamatory yep. and horrible um, unless they heard directly from me. So that's why I created the audio podcast. And Bongino calls me up and says, he's like, he's like, man, do you realize that like your, your podcast is like in the top hundred when you post, you know, I was doing like once a week. He's like, one week I got up to like number 14. And I'm talking about overall, I hit 14 in the, in the Apple store. Awesome. Now, the part to that, it was like around Christmas or something. So I think nobody was posting. <laughs> Wait, what's but, our best number on the but, Apple store? We've got up to like 46. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, it, but my podcast is doing really well. And, and he says, you got to go to, you got to put this thing on uh, YouTube. You need to do at least some of them. You got to do video. And I said, oh, yeah, what the hell? I have a YouTube account and used it, you know, and I think, it, but yeah, what the hell? I'll, I'll do that. And I think I started, when I started posting, I had, I don't know, 7,000 followers or something on, on what is now called ScrewTube. <laughs> um, and I did it. I don't know. I don't know how many I put on there, but it, it went on for a couple months. And my views went down. Like every week, I had fewer and fewer viewers, which you could say, okay, maybe I just sucked. But you couldn't say that because my audio listens were going up. Mm -hmm. Right. So I said, man, something's wrong here. And I had like, by that time I had 9,000 followers on, on screw tube. And I thought, Oh, you know, it seems all right. I didn't know. So I, I told my team, I said, let's just find a, a, a player somewhere, uh, anywhere where at least if we send out the link, the link will actually work and you'll be able to like click on and watch it. Cause I had, you know, I had millions of people that I was able to communicate with through email, text, that sort of thing that were, you know, that were signed up to get my, my messages. And, um, and this is the, this is kind of the, the bottom line that should, that should send a real message. I call, find this company rumble that nobody's ever heard of. Call up the, the CEO. He thought he was under investigation by the house intelligence. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I said, Hey, you know, do you guys have a player? And later he tells a story because he went from thinking he was under investigation to thinking, oh, my God, this guy doesn't know anything. <laughs> and because he's like, well, yeah, we have a player that works. And I said, well, yeah, but if I put in my name, you know, because I have a really uh, uh, it's 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 better than steak for breakfast. Ooh. It's a really creative name of my podcast. <laughs> Devin Nunes podcast. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> nice. It's very uh, comprehensive. <laughs> Super creative, yeah. right? <laughs> and should be really easy if you go into Google and ScrewTube and you put in Devin Nunes podcast, that ought to come up, right? And I, I tell Chris, the CEO Rumble, I said, I said it, it doesn't come up. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 no. And he's on the phone with me. Titan's like, and that was like his like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. And he didn't even believe that I had a podcast. And I had to send him the actual links because he couldn't find it on ScrewTube. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, that's yep. us. Exactly what okay. we're going so, through. Exactly. So, so I get on the Rumble, and in three weeks, okay, so this was three podcasts later that I put video on Rumble, starting with zero, okay? And, you know, do you know how many conservatives at that time were on Rumble in the United States of America? Hmm. Zero. I was the first one. Nice. Okay. Oh. Three weeks later, 
three podcasts later, I have 35,000 followers on Rumble. Nice. Nice. Okay. Compared to 9,000 on ScrewTube that has, you know, millions of people all over the world. Yep. Proof. And, and Chris tells some interesting stories. His team thought that I was using some like dark arts that I learned, you know, through the CIA <laughs> to like have fake followers. They didn't believe that it was real, but then it got more ridiculous in three months. Okay. By almost by election of 2020, I had nearly 400,000 followers. Wow. They'd never seen anything like that. And then of course, all the conservatives followed me, and now there's hardly a conservative that's not on Rumble. Anybody who's using video, you're crazy to not be on Rumble. Yep. Um, you know, just as a safe, safe alternative. Definitely. So, you know, that's the. Uh, I mean, those are the real numbers, and those are the real facts, and that's why when 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 they when they shut down Parler and they threw President Trump off all the media, I had I had written a book about this. As a matter of fact, it's kind of, it sits behind me right here. Uh, you guys can't see because you don't. You're not on video, guys. But um, I wrote a book, Countdown to Socialism, in, in July of 2020. And um, little did I know that it was, you know, I was, you know, it was like 1980. It was like my little mini dumb version of 1984. Yeah. Um, you know, amateur hour version of, of Orwell's 1984. But I, I predicted without knowing that this was before the Hunter Biden laptop, before Parler gets whacked, before President Trump gets kicked off of everything. And we woke up, you know, in with Biden in the White House with with and I, I don't think people appreciate it unless you really listen to what I just said. And, and like you guys understand it because you, you're, you're living it yourselves. You don't realize what's happening to us. We are literally in the ghettos of the Internet. Oh, yeah. And that's why True Social and, and Rumble are so critically important. Yeah, that is a that is an amazing way to put it, because it, it's just it's like you said, the the engagement, the amount of people that can and can't see you across different platforms and the way they do things to just crush the conservative. It's even like when we have larger guests that like we tag them on social media is like, they'll share us. Like, let's just say, you know, Amanda will come on. So she'll go out on a balcony and smoke a cigarette and she'll tweet it. She'll get 1100 retweets. She'll literally cut her own audio clip of when she's on our show, put a little nice graphic on it, share it seven because she tagged yes. us. It's just a, the, the way that they do things. And on true social, like I said, like for me, it's just like any engagement would have been great engagement, but this is like, I hate to quote president Trump, but this is engagement. Like I've never seen before. When I uh, search steak for breakfast, Bill Gates comes up with like his fake steak. Oh, stop. <laughs> That's great. We're out, we're out here crushing America first interviews and, and, Congressman Nunez gets man boobs in his search engine. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, to, to put it to put it clearly, how used to not getting reactions Roan is on his because he he runs most of the social media. He actually has most of his notifications turned on, so like his Twitter stuff will pop up while he's doing something. But that Truth Social thing's gonna kill your battery probably. Yeah, it really is. I have to I have to walk around with a battery charger. So no, it's been amazing. Yeah, good, good point on that too, by the way, that's um, one of the features we're working on. You know, we have very kind of archaic notifications right now, um, but we're actually uh, building a feature uh, where you'll be able to decide if you want to get notifications from certain people, you'll be able to turn those on. Oh, nice. Which, oh, nice. which will be nice. Yeah. Awesome. 
That's a great. Yeah, that's a that's a hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. There'd probably be a lot of people on other social media platforms be turning off notifications from Steak for Breakfast. <laughs> a lot of the people that block us. Hey, you want to know what? I'm just going to throw it out there right now. I know it's it's our first date with <laughs> Congressman Nunes, but we'll, we'll, let's see what we can do. Congressman, I'm just going to ask you one more thing. It, it's a really important question to our show. I'm going to throw out a couple names, and then, and then we'll see how you feel. So, Carrie Lake, Liz Harrington, Ambassador Grinnell, Cash Patel, Amanda Milius, Christina Bob, have all completely and totally endorse the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Do do after our, uh, well, we call it a first date. We don't like to. Uh, you I know, thought you were going to ask me who do I like the best out of those. Oh, I, I would never. I would really never, bad position. No. Yeah, I would never do that to you because they're all I mean, amazing. Cash, cash would be devastated if I didn't say cash. <laughs> Can you give us a and then Amanda And then Amanda, of course, would be devastated. Yeah, it would be bad they all, if they I had all... to choose between all those people. I know you haven't been able to go back through all our episodes, but you have no idea. They all speak so highly of you. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, very endearing. And then Cash Patel, it's like a big brother slash pseudo dad, like best friend whenever he talks about you. Yeah. It literally, <laughs> it literally is. They, they, they just. Well, Cash is a, is obviously, um, you know, what happened to him and, and, oh, yeah. you know, 2017, well, 17, 18, 19, all the way through that, that time period, people don't, you know, you got to look back like, it's okay. like I'm an elected official. Um, I put my name out there and I don't like to be slandered or, or defamed, but, you know, you can attack me, uh, you know, and that's that's fair game. Um, but what happened to Cash, because he was so effective, he yeah. was attacked, a staff person, a lawyer, which was we, I, I had never seen that before in my time in Congress. Yep. So Cash Patel you know, I'm not, you know, I wasn't in Congress for all 240 years or whatever we've been, but in 20 years, I had never seen a staff person basically persecuted uh, and destroyed in the press, but, you know, totally, totally unacceptable. So, um, you know, what, what happened to him is, 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 complete and utter bullshit should never happen in this country. We talked about, you know, earlier about decaying of the institutions. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, for him, you know, you go through things like that. Um, you see somebody like that who has to live through that. Uh, and for him to have the resilience to not only continue on the mission, you know, cause he could just walked out the door. Right. Cause I mean, here's a guy who could easily, you know, as a regular lawyer been at any law firm. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, stuck with us. Uh, which, you know, he has to wear that, all those attacks that were on him, his family, his career, uh, just the nastiest stuff. And as you know, he's, he's in several defamation lawsuits yep. uh, trying to get his reputation back. Um, but I just want, you know, it's important for everybody to know that, that, you know, he, uh, you know, he had to withstand stuff that, that no one in history has had to withstand, at least that I know of, for a staff person, right? It's different for, a, for yeah, an elected official. Yeah, a lot of people don't know, and it's, I mean, good to remind ourselves and for others out there to know this. He is so on fire for this country and mm -hmm. for the America First movement, though. Like, he has just got his sights set on, first, the people who are going to go to Congress and after the midterm elections this year, and then he's got his feet in the starting blocks for 2024. Like, he is ready to go, and he talks about it all the time. Like Him and Max Miller did a really good job of uh, – you know, talking about how much they love the administrative state on our last show Tuesday. And uh, it gave our listenership a really big insight into some of the things that are uh, coming ahead for some of our 
friends in Washington, D.C. who have had their uh, fun for the last decade or so. Yeah, well, he's he, Cash is, is is he's um, moving ahead on all cylinders. He's yep. got a lot, lot, a lot going. Um, you know, we're happy to have his help at, at Truth. He's he's been an amazing social media star for somebody who never was on social media. Yeah. He's really he's really good at it. Um, he's obviously my my kids love him. He wrote that children's book. Yep. Um, you know, he's when he, you know, I live in the cent- middle of California, but he's come to visit visit me several times. Stayed at my house, and uh, you know, he's now a close. You know, he's a close friend of, of me, my family, and of course, all of our, uh, all of my, you know, former staff uh, that, that worked for me in Congress, and and of course, the team at True Social. So we're just glad to have him, and and then he's out there doing a lot of good things, just trying to, you know, represent people that need representation, fighting against these these animal freaks in the in the fake news media. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and. Uh... You know, one that we hold near and dear to our heart as well. He's a great friend of the show, and we love the work that he's doing. The work that all you guys are doing out there, we can't say enough about it. Um, you, you guys are really out there working for the American people. Now out of, you know, the Beltway and, and into the business sector, but you're you're opening it up so that future generations of, of political candidates and everybody down to just regular people that like social media and, like you said, like to look at pictures of barbecues and, and people drinking wine and stuff like that can enjoy it on a platform that uh, – you know, they don't have to worry about nobody seeing their content anymore because, uh, well, as long as you're on true social, people are going to be seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to be seeing a lot more of it, too, guys. As soon as, you know, like I said, we get these these next the next uh, month are going to be really important because we're going to have uh, we're gonna, the, the new features that we're coming out with are going to work real well, hopefully. Nice. Well, that's exciting. Well, Congressman, where are we looking to follow you on uh social media i could only guess uh you're at on true social and then if you have any websites you want to give us maybe your rumble channel or something well it's very creative like my podcast maybe possibly more creative because i put it it's at devon nunes <laughs> so same same on rumble at devon nunes rumble at devon nunes on uh on uh truth I gotta, socials i gotta give rumble a try i haven't really even messed around with it that much i think i downloaded it and i just never really used it well, the key for it it's a, just a place to watch you know all the conservatives are on rumble but it would be really good for you guys to to post the show on rumble and i know you guys have a you know kind of a you know a position you know where you guys like to stay incognito you know in the under the radar but um so i'm not sure how you do it you have to like put a, a silhouette or something we do have a horse head mask Oh, he does have a horse head mask. <laughs> oh, but uh, we were we were going somewhere with what we were saying before. All those, yeah. all those names that we mentioned. Have endorsed us. Oh, so. Have given Steak for Breakfast podcast their full and complete endorsement. So we were just wondering. Well, of course. Know. I mean, look, you guys are, uh, I, 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 I'm so happy that I, I ran into you, found you, um, because of True Social. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, look, this is what we're all about, right, is for people to, to, to have an ability to that are putting out good content for people to be able to find you. And, uh, you know, honestly, we're just thankful. It's not about me endorsing uh, you as, as much as we're just happy that, you know, you're willing to post on our platform so that, uh, you know, so that, that, you know, we can help connect you to other people. So I, I, I look at, uh, as you guys are endorsing us by uh, the willingness to participate on the platform. Nice. Yeah, well, it's been our pleasure since day one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're really appreciative of it. Uh, End of you, Congressman. And, of course, at some point in the future, we're going to love to have you back on the show. Uh, I feel like we opened up a couple cans of worms today. Like you said, uh, you could talk about this stuff all day. And at some point down the road, we'd love to have you back and and talk about it a little bit more. Well, hey, you guys are a lot of fun. And uh, as soon as as we post this, hopefully I'll be be barbecuing some uh, 
fish tonight. It's got, it's pretty hot here oh, in California go. right now. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and I've been gone, like I said, for a few weeks, but it'd be nice to barbecue with my kids. I got some fish, um, probably open up a bottle of, I think I'm going to go with some white some light. I'm going to go some light Pinot. I Ooh, think tonight. That's yeah. perfect for fish. Water from, from San Luis Obispo. That's, I think that's what I'm going to open. Um, my father-in-law is going to come over, mother-in-law, he'll, you know, so we might, maybe we'll do a little white, white wine to start. Nice. nice. But it's going to be hot. So, you know, you got to go with those cooler wines. Sounds like next time Cash comes out to California, we're going to have to make a way up there too to uh, Casa de Nunez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wouldn't mind that. So we could sit around and have some wine. And, you know, and, and you know, uh, meat's so damn expensive, I got to go fish, you know. I got to go catch fish. I got to go out to the Pacific Ocean and catch it myself. <laughs> Come on down to San Diego. We'll take you fishing. Well, and, and if we had any water here, you know, I could, at least we had, when we had water before the government took it away and wasted it out to the ocean. I'm in the big San Joaquin Valley, the, you know, the agricultural area. You know, we used to have water. At least we had catfish in the, in the, oh, you know, yeah. in the canals. But hell, our canals are dry now, so we don't have catfish. You should uh, tag Gavin Newsom on uh, True Social and ask him about that. Where <laughs> What's he going to do about the water crisis? Where are my catfish, Gavin? So, yeah, we have super energy surge hours down here in San Diego. Oh, so yeah. That's probably right now when I'm running two air conditioners. And our entire podcast studio. Yep. Fantastic. Congressman. Well, we- I hope you guys, I, I hope you stayed a lot around long enough just to get this thing posted before before the power goes out <laughs> yeah oh no it'll be up this afternoon and uh we'll tag you in and and you'll see it on true social this is the uh current ceo tmtg congressman devin nunez thank you for coming on steak for breakfast yeah and make sure final point make sure you get this thing cut posted before the sun goes down <laughs> because i'll make sure they do because we're so reliant on Solar panels now. Once that sun goes down, you know, Breath. it could be iffy. The power is probably going to go out. We only listen to steak for breakfast at peak hours. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for coming on with All us right, today, guys. Sir. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Well, we called it recently on, on several episodes of the podcast. They're coming for the guns. Bigly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tucky weighed in this week on what would... Uh, can be considered to be quite the betrayal from the Republican Party. Let's uh, hear him dive in on that and more. We've got a Fox News alert for you. We alluded, we alluded to it a moment ago. At this moment, the Senate is voting to advance a so-called gun control bill that is, in fact, a law that would allow police to confiscate firearms unconstitutionally and legally from American citizens who have not been charged, much less convicted of a crime. Your favorite, Noah. Now, many Republican senators, such as Joni Erst and Shelley Moore Caputo, are reportedly voting yes on the bill. It's hard to believe that's true, but apparently it is. Senator John Cornyn, the lead Republican negotiator who has gone far left in recent years, is currently celebrating on the Senate floor because, again, only Ukrainians are allowed to have guns. (laughs) Cornyn was just seen shaking hands with Chuck Schumer, his close friend. Is he representing the voters of Texas? No. But apparently John Cornyn isn't just stopping with guns. His has his sights now on immigration. Mm. Cornyn was just seen smiling while speaking to Democratic Senator Alex Padilla saying, quote, first guns, now it's immigration. Has there ever been a greater, more brazen sellout of any group of voters than what Republican senators Mitch McConnell, John Cornyn and the rest are doing right now? Talk about a subversion of democracy. If they keep this up, the system will collapse. You have to represent the interests of your voters. That's why you're there. Excited? Mm. Yeah, super excited. You better be. I'm going to 
call the police on you and tell them you were mean to me so they come down against <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically what it's going to be. It's going to be this is all-encompassing umbrella where, right? you know, I mean, when, when we have uh, parents that are going to yell at school boards and they're being called domestic terrorists, like, you think that's not going to roll out to this person disagrees with the mainstream media. This person right. is a conspiracy theorist. This person is against the agenda of... <laughs> Like Ooh, I mean, they, guns, let's go take them away. This person doesn't want to eat the crickets. Yep. Oh, living pods. This person said never sees them. <laughs> well, fourteen Republican senators in total would flip uh, a sixty-five thirty-three margin in the fifty-fifty powers that be in the Senate. Um, Firebrand House Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene picks no bones when it comes to uh, calling people out. She talked about this legislation and the dirtbags that voted for it. Here's the problem I have. Joe Biden, then Senator Joe Biden, that made my school a gun-free school zone and has left American students like sitting ducks, targets for anyone that wants to go kill them. He's friends with these Republican senators, and I'll tell you who, who they are. Because I don't mind naming their names because people all over our country are furious at them. Senator Blunt, Senator Burr, Senator Capito, Cassidy Collins, Cornyn. Same jerk offs we read every week on the show. Off the stage practically in Texas. Ernst, Lindsey Graham, who promised me just a few years ago that he would not violate due process rights with red flag laws. Broke his promise. Mitch McConnell. Mm. Complete failure to Republicans. Murkowski, Portman, Romney, Tillis, Young. These are the Republican senators that Republican voters do not support anymore. We've got to change our Republican Party, and it needs to happen right here. Because if we don't start defending Americans' freedoms and rights and putting America first, our Republican voters are not going to want to put us in charge. We need to do a better job. The Senate gun bill is a complete failure, and I'm so happy with our House GOP leadership saying that they're voting no against this bill and whipping against it. That's something I am extremely pleased with and I know Republican voters and independents and gun owners, period, are going to be thrilled with. So so thank you for joining us. So she got a little ahead of herself because it did wind up passing in the House today Hmm. and uh, is now promptly on the way to Joe Biden's desk. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to have somebody tell him to sign it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll get the card. You pick you up the pen. Pick up the pen. Put it yeah. not in your mouth, but on the paper. Sign your name, not Corn Pop. He is a bad dude. We're going to segue now because, oh. yeah, exactly. Well, you, you missed all the audio clips where you should have been playing that because they're coming for it. It was too much. Jerome Powell, the Fed chairman, was up on the Hill this week getting his ass kicked because of the inflation and all the stuff they're doing to fuck with the economy. Um, I got two clips of this. Let's hear part of his opening statement. At the Fed, we understand the hardship that high inflation is causing. We are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down, and we're moving expeditiously to do so. Mm. We have both the tools we need and the resolve it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. 
It is essential that we bring inflation down if we are to have a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. I will review the current economic situation before turning to monetary policy. Inflation remains well above our longer-run goal of 2%. Over no the 12 shit. months ended in April, total PCE prices, that's personal consumption expenditures prices, rose 6.3%. Excluding the volatile food and energy categories, core PCE prices rose 4.9%. The available data for May suggests that the core measure likely held at that pace or eased slightly last month. Mm. And he, Fed, he would go on to... Uh, regurgitate some stats that would show that the inflation rate is somewhere in the eights, but we all know throughout the course of the country, especially in you know places like California where we're at and New York, Pennsylvania, and, and, and others, it's much, much higher. And uh, r- regardless, w- with the supply and demand, the mortgage rates going through the roof now, I th- they're up nationally almost 7%. Uh, in addition to that, the average median home price across the country is over $400,000 for the first time in the history of the republic. Um, does that, I, I don't obviously don't own a home I rent, but does that affect your current mortgage or is that new mortgages? I'm not really sure how that works. It affects everything really, even mm. rent, you know. For well, my like, rent went up, that's for damn sure, but. Yeah. I mean, um, shit show. It is. It's completely out of control and no one would, uh, I think can do better of pointing out some of that other than National Treasure, Senator Kennedy. Mm. Uh, He took Powell to task. Let's hear some of his uh, commentary. Your 401k has crashed, and gas has gone from two bucks to five bucks a gallon because the economy's so good. Seven bucks. And the American people know that's not true. Now, other than relieving regulatory burden, let me Mm. me put it in the form of a question. What if the United States Congress said, look, we've got a budget. We're going to freeze spending. We're going to stop injecting more money into the economy. We're going to freeze for spending until Powell can get control on the demand side. Would that help? <laughs> do you hear you know, me now? I feel like <laughs> giving you advice on, on what to do when I'm asking we're, not getting our own, we're not getting our own job done. I feel like maybe a better, better thing to do would be for us to get our, get our house in order and do the job you've assigned us. Well, let me put it another way. Let's suppose, forget about Congress. Let's suppose that every governor in every state and every legislature in every state got together tomorrow and said, I know it's not like it happened, and said, we are going to freeze our budgets. We're not going to spend a penny more than's already budgeted. Would that help? Would it help? Sir? Would it help with? Would it help uh, 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 reduce inflation? It would depend on it. Might it might? But I mean, it would take. Again, I, again, I'm I've given you. I'm, I'm scoring fiscal policy. Well, I understand really you're being careful, but Mr. Chairman, we we the, the United States Congress, in addition to its regular budget, has spent seven trillion dollars. I'm not saying all of it was was unnecessary. On top of that, the Fed's increased its balance sheet from one and a half trillion dollars to nine trillion dollars. Oh. Nine trillion dollars. I know you're cutting it back, but we've injected all of this money into the economy. And then people go, well, we have inflation. Duh. (laughs) Give me some help here. Tell me what we can do. um, I'm really focused on what we can do. 
which is shrink our balance sheet and raise interest rates and, and get supply and demand back into alignment and get inflation back down to 2%. You see it coming back down to 2% anytime soon, Noah? Negative. Antoinette, probably not, huh? Nope. I think the big question that everybody's asking is whose fault is this? Is it the uh, radical progressive left's agenda uh-huh. and those of the Biden administration, or is it more evil actors across the world, like the Wuhan coming. lab that created COVID and Vladimir Putin? Mm. Finally, and on the record, Tennessee Republican Congressman Senator Bill Haggerty asked Jerome Powell, is Vladimir Putin to blame for the current state of the U.S. economy? Mm. And he actually told the fucking truth. I realize there are a number of factors that play a role in the historic inflation that we're experiencing. Uh, Supply chain disruptions, regulations that constrain supply. We've got rising inflation expectations and excessive fiscal spending. But the problem hasn't sprung out of nowhere. And in January of 2021, inflation was at 1.4%. Normal. By December of 2021, it had risen to 7%, a five-fold increase. Now, since the war in Ukraine began in late February, the rate of inflation has risen incrementally, another 1.6%, to a current level of 8.6%. So again, uh, from 7% to 8.6%. Given how inflation has escalated over the past 18 months, would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? Mm-hmm. No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. The Biden administration seems to be intent on deflecting blame, and as recently as just this past Sunday, spread the misinformation that Putin's invasion of Ukraine is the, quote, biggest single driver of inflation. I'm glad you agree with me that that is not the truth. And just keep in mind that Donald Trump appointed Jerome Powell, and uh, he's been one of the people that's one of the few people that's been able to retain his job through this administration. You know, the the Fed chair really isn't a uh, mm-hmm. partisan appointment. I mean, they're basically the score of the economy. That's right. what their job is. I wish I had some good ones for you, but in our last audio clip of the week now, um, everybody's least favorite energy secretary, Granholm, is confronted with the words of the Fed chairman, Mr. Powell, in which he said, Ukraine is not the fault of our huge inflation in this country. It's the awful policies and and things that we've done to the energy sector since the start of this administration. You never Mm. believe this one, though. She doesn't give a shit. Mm. Um, Secretary Granholm, you and the president have framed uh, this war in Ukraine as the primary driver of the spikes in energy costs that's... the largest contributor to overall inflation. But uh, the Fed chairman was on the Hill today, testified, he was asked a question, is the war the primary driver of inflation? And his answer was no. How do you square that? Is he wrong? I I didn't hear what he said on that, but I think most people acknowledge that the price of fuel is a big driver of inflation. And in fact, they've put large percentages on it. And so we know that the the war in Ukraine having driven up the price of fuel because it it crimps supply. It's a total supply and demand question. We've got to make up for the million barrels per day that have lost. We will have a demand problem when China opens up after COVID. There will be additional upward pressure on supply. This is why we need, not just in the U.S., but we need globally more supply brought on board. And uh, so uh, his full quote was, no, inflation was high before, certainly before the war in Ukraine broke out. Well, I think um, most would say that 
the price of fuel has exacerbated inflation. <laughs> she's like, but he literally said, and she, she's, uh, stupid. Thing. Sounds like she didn't have the data. Oh man. Yeah, that's where we're at. As we're wrapping up our news week here, you know, I had a little January six, but uh, what a shithole. Yeah, we 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 had an extra long segment with uh, Congressman Nunes, and uh, I think the content in there is going to be uh, a little bit more spicy than some uh, pre-recorded clips of Adam Kinzinger crying and Liz Cheney virtue signaling. <sighs> Do keep in mind, though, one of the former high-ranking Trump administration official attorneys who was open to the idea that the election was rigged and stolen, was apprehended by the FBI and detained recently and had several of his offices uh, that are connected to his law firm swatted throughout the country. So as they try to intimidate people to maybe flip or bend the narrative towards what they're trying to push in the January 6th committee, that's literally what's going on. Tucker had some really good clips with it yesterday. I suggest uh, you jump onto Twitter and, and check out those audio clips. So... Get yourself up to date and informed. But besides that, got to wrap it up and, uh, you know, bring in our last couple guests. All right, coming back on the show today, one of our favorite senatorial candidates. He's running an America First campaign endorsed by President Trump. Lake Masters, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Always great to be here. Thanks for having me. Always great to keep tracking with you, sir. You've been busy, so you guys had a little... uh, forum hoedown last night in arizona i heard it got a pretty spicy i saw some of the clips i mean of course you were spitting fire on the stage but now let me can you confirm something for our listenership because we heard he's been mia for pretty much the entire uh campaign season was there a mark burnovich sighting there he was there can Hmm. you believe it no (laughs) if it was funny it was actually um my first time ever seeing him in person (laughs) i really thought maybe i would just make it all the way to my primary victory without ever seeing Attorney General Burnabish, because he doesn't campaign. You know, he just hides in a Fox News studio all yep. day. Um, but he was there. He didn't. Uh, it's so funny because he, he didn't want to go into the green room with uh, with the rest of the candidates. He had his own security detail. You know, he was like stretching in the hallway and stuff. Uh, wouldn't shake anybody's hand beforehand. He was just like a rock star showing up to, you know. And so I was like, whoa. This guy thinks he's uh, he's very good. Turns out he wasn't that good. I thought. Did he do any uh, cartwheels or anything for the stretching? Did or? do any cartwheels? No, no. Weird. But uh, he, I, I was like, surely he's got some tricks. Like you know, what, what's he what's he going to pull out of his hat? And actually, I thought he was uh, thoroughly mediocre. And he got booed. I mean, it always sucks to just watch someone get booed. He right? did. Uh, yeah, I saw but, it on Instagram. He nice. did certainly get booed. <laughs> He got booed at one point. He told voters to shut the hell up. People oh. were like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, if, the, if you don't like the truth, you can shut the hell up. And I'm like, maybe, maybe if you're running uh-huh. to try to represent voters, uh, and try to you know, ask them to vote for you and, and elect you, maybe you shouldn't tell them to shut up. I don't he, know. He did the old Crenshaw approach. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. People don't like that. No, they certainly don't. So how did things go at the uh, at the forum? You, you know, I, I already shared some of your uh hot topping points we know you went in hard on the border as you've always done since day one but uh what are some of the highlights that came from that that you saw you know in comparison to some of your uh candidate mates right now some of your rivals who uh you know from a lot of the people who came out of that forum last night they said they they weren't really ready for prime time yeah that's what i think and you know i'm honored to have won the straw poll afterwards first place with 33 percent of the vote so i you know i think i did well i just you know, but it's not like 
I rehearse these canned answers and just spit them out, you know, like I hear the question and I think about it and I say what I think. And that's why I think I stand out and it sounds refreshing. Like they asked about big tech, of course, and uh, Brnovich went and spent like three minutes kind of inefficiently blathering about Section 230. And I sued Google and I filed, you know, this or I, I sent them an angry letter and OK, fine. And then Lehman gets up. Uh, Jim Lehman does not know about big tech does not understand it you know he knows the the bare bullet points he knows to say facebook's bad and we need to break them up uh but he spent most of the time just um sort of attacking me you know he said blake's bought by big tech we don't need a big tech guy and and so then i get up and i'm like actually if you want to hold big tech accountable um you want to restrain these companies in a meaningful way maybe just maybe you should send someone into the senate who actually understands this topic right and because of my my work in tech yeah i i, I know big tech and so i went through uh, the problems right censorship election interference what is google doing uh they're addicting our children to these products in this predatory way and then i went through solutions right and turns out with two minutes and 30 seconds you can actually say a lot and so mine was just super substantive. And I think that that substance stands out when everyone else is just uh, trafficking in bullet points. Sure. I think, you know, that's that's the biggest I, I think it's the biggest point that you make there, Blake, is that people will go, like you said, and they'll they'll throw a couple drive by headline bullet points out. You know, people. Oh, yeah, I've heard that on TV. But when you hear somebody really start to develop and then deconstruct what like the, the actual issue is and then what the what possibility of a plausible solution um, well, I don't know. We've always speculated on this show that Mark Brnovich is just going to go be a Fox News contributor after he's done <laughs> with this election season because he, he seems to have, like, a nice, comfortable home there, guest starring on a whole bunch of shows. But, uh, you know, and, and then coming from Jim Lehman's standpoint, uh, he did seem like he did struggle a little bit in the tech department when we asked him about it on our show a couple months ago because he had come through here uh, in between one of the times that you were on. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where we're, we're getting down to it right now and people are starting to make a decision. So it's really good to see that you uh, finished well and, and did well in the straw poll. But uh, in addition to the forum, how's the rest of the campaign trail been treating you? We know you're on the road a lot and you're out meeting the people and, and really talking to them. And that's one of the equations that we've seen across the country, whether it be a governor's race, a House seat or or a senatorial campaign, is that if you have a good ground game, it's like the the extra thing you need to, to comfortably get you over the finish line come, uh, you know, the primary date. That's right. Uh, the grassroots is important, you know, and we are putting the miles on the car. That's for sure. Arizona is a big state and, yeah. and we are crisscrossing it. I'm doing more grassroots events uh, than any other candidate. Um, most of them are public on my on my website. We list the schedule, which is fun because, you know, always there's some hecklers and, you know, there's trackers from. Republican opponents and, and certainly the Democrats, but um, but these events are fun and lively and they're important. I'm also doing uh, more media interviews. You know that's really important too. Um, you got to have both. You got to have that ground game. You got to be, you know, meeting dozens, hundreds of people every single day. Uh, that retail politics. I actually really enjoy it, which I think helps a lot. But it's it's sure important. Um, but so is just air cover. So is being on TV. So is being on the radio, right? Both in, in, in paid capacities, which is why fundraising is important, but also earned media, right? Can I go on Tucker Carlson? Can I do awesome podcasts like this one? Can I do local radio? And so we're just trying to trying to do it all um, and, and working as hard as possible. And I think, you know, that's it's paying off. We're up in the polls. I've built a nice lead on Brnovich, who's currently in second place. Uh, I think we're only going to increase and sustain that lead and 
pretty soon we'll be running a general election, which is very, very exciting. Yeah, we'll be talking about that here in a couple months now. Um, that's one of the things I wanted to stick on, that last point you made, uh, the media and the success in the polls. Now, listen, we put a lot of focus into some of these races, the major ones like Arizona. You know, we, we got to get you into that seat. We have seen some really nasty attack ads come out in the last couple weeks, months, uh, directed at some things, both campaign, you know, talking points, but then personally, too. How do you feel uh, that your poll numbers have continued to rise despite some of these really negative attack ads? I think it almost proves that people are pretty smart. They're people, uh, people don't like the negativity. They tune it out. Um you know, this is anecdotal, but I get every time one of these stupid negative attack ads against me runs, I get a couple dozen text messages where people are just disgusted at what they've seen. Um, and, you know, I just try to just try to stay above it. I think it's I mean, all these attacks started like literally one day after I received President Trump's endorsement yep. a few weeks ago. Right. And so I get it. It's like that spooked, you know, my opponent, Jim Lehman. And um and it, it should spook him like, you know, the Trump endorsements a fantastically powerful endorsement. But but he became desperate and resorted to negative campaigning, which you sort of hate to see. People ask, you know, Blake, does it does it make you mad? Actually, it doesn't. It, it makes me sad. I think it's it's sad to see. It's sad to see a Republican doing this to another fellow Republican. At this point, I think it only uh, helps the Democrats. But it's losing layman endorsements. Rick Grinnell unendorsed him because mm-hmm. of these slimy attack ads. Uh, it's losing him votes. It just doesn't work. And so I'm proud to say, like, I haven't cut or approved any attack ad. I told my wife when I started my campaign, uh, I promised her that I'm not going to go negative. And so everything that I've been able to control with my own campaign, it's positive. We're laser focused on the issues. I think that's what people care about. And that's what people want to see from a candidate who they're going to put up against Mark Kelly. Yeah, that's the truth there. And, uh, you know, you talk about Ambassador Grinnell. He's been on the show. He's going to be coming back again in July. Uh, he, he was a great, he had a great time with us. But, you know, we saw him in some of the other Senate races, namely the Pennsylvania one. He was really going after people that were putting out negative ads on, on social media and calling them to task. So, you know, to have him unendorsed Jim Lehman and then uh, obviously with the backer of Trump endorsement being your corner, that's got to be a pretty formidable ally to have there. Rick Grinnell's a great guy. And, uh, I don't know. We're going to be. We've we already made fun of them when we had uh, we had Cash Patel and and Max Miller on for a roundtable on Tuesday, and they said we have to call him like Mister Perspective Vice President now. Mm. Apparently, <laughs> apparently people are saying he's starting to get vetted, but we'll have to see what happens there. Um, Blake, one of the biggest things and, and and centerpieces of your entire campaign is like immigration from top to bottom. You've talked about complete immigration moratorium, complete re- reform of the visa system, shutting down the southern border. When you talk about Arizona, we're probably looking at the possibility of one of the strongest states in border security in the history of our country. Uh, when you look at top of the ticket down, obviously you in the Senate, Carrie Lake, a governor, uh, Mark Fincham has been endorsed by President Trump, and then you have uh, Abe Hamaday too. Like the three of them there, in addition to you in the Senate, would be something that's pretty formidable just about to any state in the union, in my opinion. And when you guys talk about your border policy, you guys are pretty much on the same page in regards to uh, what's going on down there. We've seen in the last couple months, especially in like the Tucson sector of Arizona, the amount of bodies crossing is at unprecedented levels, maybe higher than ever before. Uh, what can you say to what's going on down there? You know, we've seen so many of those good roving reporters down there, like Jorge Ventura, who's a regular guest on this show. 
maybe not today, but <laughs> oops, you know, some of the things that, that are going on down there are just completely overwhelming the ports. They're completely overwhelming the processing centers. And of course they're decimating the border patrol. Yeah, that's right. And that's why it's not an exaggeration to call this an invasion. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly what it is. The latest numbers are, it's about 225,000 illegals. They cross every single month. Uh, well, those are just the ones we know about, right? The ones that have uh, contact with, with law enforcement. Right. So you add the getaways, it's probably 300,000 a month. And that's kind of a shocking number, right? That's not every year. That's every month. So, okay, over 12 months, 300,000 is uh, 3.6 million. And over four years of Biden-Harris open borders policy, that's 14 million people, right? That's almost double the population of Arizona. Yep. And, and of course, it's not just the people. It's the fentanyl, right? It's the, it's the crime. It's the, the, the human trafficking, right? Um, biggest crime zone in the country. Biggest humanitarian uh, disaster. And, and Biden created it. And so it's just why it's, you know, I continue to, to just be astonished and heartbroken and enraged. But... I think Biden is literally committing high crimes and misdemeanors by refusing to do his duty of enforcing federal law at the border. They created this. Um, it's the number one issue in Arizona, maybe co-equal with election integrity. Mm-hmm. And people are just so sick and tired of it. The correct amount of illegal immigration is zero. Yes. And I'm obsessed with getting back to back to zero. It should be zero, not 14 million illegals. Right. This is obvious. Yeah, it's so funny to see, to watch your campaign from the very beginning and to have you on the show now. I think this is the fourth time you've been on with us and to see some of your opponents launch attack ads that say you're like open borders, Blake Masters. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, you're going for like the fringe people who don't watch TV or have it on in the background when they're cooking in the kitchen. That's amazing. And, and, and even those people are going to go and probably do a little research before they head out to the ballot box. So I just think that. It's uh, so absurd. And then President Trump, you know. Uh, releases a statement saying he endorses me because I'm the best on the border. You know, it's 100%. Like, who are you going to believe a desperate opponent clinging to, you know, delusions or the president of the United States who did more for anyone more than anyone for border security in this country. Yeah. It's just, it's laughable. Yeah. Some of the greatest future border policies right now are coming out of the state of Arizona and you're right at the front of it. So, between now and early August, when you guys have the primary, do you have any events coming up? Is it, are they going to try and do another forum or, or anything like that, But or, or any campaign-centered events that you're going to be doing as well? Well, I hope there's another debate. Uh, I, I, I'm down to debate anyone, anytime, anywhere, right? If we can get the majority of candidates there, I'm in. Um, I'd also debate Lehman or Brnovich one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I don't think they want to do that. In fact, I know they, they don't want to do that. Hi, buddy. <laughs> My two-year-old. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to debate them. Uh, I wouldn't want to debate me if I were them either. But unfortunately, this Freedom Works debate last night was the one that we have scheduled where all candidates confirmed. And so, Brnovich, I don't think we'll do it again. And we've been trying. People have been trying to set up more debates. But I think he thinks he's above it. You know, after lots of nice performance, I don't think he'll do more. So I think that was the one time where people get to see all five candidates together. But I'm still not going to stop. I'll be... Uh, I'm sure I'll be doing some smaller forums with uh, Mick McGuire, Justin Olson. We've done like nine together with the three of us because Lehman and Burnabish refused to participate. Right. So I'm just going to go out and, you know, hold my own town halls and go to legislative district meetings and Republican activist groups. And, you know, I have events almost every night. 
Yeah, that's that's good that you keep on the move. Which brings me to my well, second to last question. This one's this one's gonna focus on you, Blake, and the family. Like, you know, we we've seen, and it's sucky that we have to kind of stay in this thread. But you know, we track so many of the great guys who come on this show repeatedly, and we've seen it with like Herschel Walker in the last couple of weeks, and then obviously Eric Greitens throughout the course of the campaign uh, season, all the way back some from even before he decided to start running. How how does how can you let our listenership know like this takes a toll on the family you know we had uh, Robbie Starbuck on on Tuesday who's now for, being forced by the Tennessee GOP even though he's polling over fifty percent in the polls and and has been the clear front runner from almost the beginning to be a writing candidate uh, in his district because honestly at the end of the day after the Tennessee Supreme Court kicked it back to the state one. Um, they just decided that he wasn't, and I'm quoting now, Republican enough. And that's kind of the way they're doing stuff there. You know, and he kind of told us how he had to, like, rebrand his whole campaign, rework his ground game and stuff like that. But he said it takes a toll on the family. We've heard the same thing from Eric Greitens, obviously from Herschel Walker. You know, they're attacking him from all angles now. You guys go through the ringer. It's not just going up there talking about the issues. It's not just going up there asking for donations and for people to help you guys knock on doors. Like, at the end of the day, you go home to your wife and to your kids and, uh, it could be pretty crazy at times. How are, how are some of the ways that you've been able to like, you know, weather this storm, not just in like the attack ads, but like in some of the stuff that comes like personally against your family? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great question. It's, it's tough, you know, and, and I always tell people my wife, um, you know, man, God bless her. She's, she's been just amazing. She always supported me and she, she knew that I wanted to run for this seat. And obviously we, we talked so much about it. Um, prayed about it she never encouraged me to do it though do you know what i mean like she yeah. didn't push me to do it and i think that just means she's really smart and wise because like who the hell would ask for this <laughs> and it's always worse for the spouse i think the candidate at least is, is is going to every event and and you know it's fun to meet all these people and and all that but uh it's been a lot harder i think for Catherine and me and um i really respect her sacrifice in, in that in that way. So I don't know, like, it's not pleasant for her to see, you know, Jim Lehman or the Democrats just absolutely tear into my character. And she knows it's completely baseless, but, but she's by my side. And, you know, the kids were, it's kind of a big civics lesson for the kids. We're <laughs> yeah. obviously shielding the kids from, from the negativity. Um, but you know what, I got to zoom out and, and look, it's inconvenient to run for office. It's hard on people's families. I get there's some sacrifice involved. Okay, I think we can acknowledge that. But it also pales in comparison to sacrifices that tons of other Americans make. Uh, look at military service members, mm -hmm. right? Their families. Very often people are missing the births of their children because they're deployed hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from from their you know wife or whatever. It, that's sacrifice, right? And so I try to remember that every single day. Anytime it gets hard, I'm just like, man, there's there's people who've given their lives for this country. There's there's families who are in much much tougher situations than me. I can take a few attack ads. I can I can take some attacks from the Democrats or from Jim Lehman. Who cares, right? I know that uh, I have something to offer to the people of Arizona. Uh, I know I have a clear heart and a great agenda in this America First agenda. And it's really an honor and a privilege to just be running hard and have my family by my side. I think we're on track to win this primary and also this general election. So I try to keep it in perspective. You know, it helps to have faith and stay humble. And um, let's see what happens. 
I like that. You've been out there since day one fighting, and uh, I can only think that uh, your campaign's going to continue to get stronger all the way into the general election this fall. Blake, we want to be able to direct as much of our listenership to help out your campaign anyway. we got a lot of people in Arizona who listen. If you need more boots on the ground, obviously campaign donations from all over the country, the Steak for Breakfast listeners. Uh, if you want to give out your campaign website, social medias, we'll live link them in the show description today. Amazing. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, please uh, go to blakemasters.com. Sign up for our email list if you're in Arizona. Uh, we'll put you to work if you don't want to go door knocking in 110 degree heat. No problem. We'll give you a phone list and you can make phone calls. Donations are welcome. Um, and you can find me on Twitter until they kick me off at BG Masters. Absolutely. And, and, we wish you the best of luck in the upcoming primary, and uh, we will for surely be looking to circle back with you once you're the uh, nominee for the Republican Senate candidate and uh, have you back sometime between then and the general election. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Well, we appreciate it. This is the America First Trump-endorsed senatorial candidate looking to come out of Arizona, Mr. Blake Masters. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. See you guys. Take care. All right, joining us next on the show today... She's a journalist at the National File. She's also the director of digital content there as well. She's joining us for the first time. Kim Coulter, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. That's our pleasure. How's everything going on your end? It's been a busy news day uh, here on the show. We, we, we had the SCOTUS decision come down this morning on Roe v. Wade. We had the gun one come down yesterday as well. Uh, pretty, pretty, A lot of people crying up in the Beltway, but uh, I think we're all happy. Oh, yeah, I'm celebrating for sure. So uh, outside looking in, what do you, what's your whole take on this? Uh, I mean, obviously, we've gone through some of the clips on the show, and we've saw some of the legacy news media agencies hypocritically go through comparing, you know, abortion to being a constitutional right. We all know it's not. Um, they want to have the Constitution be black and white for gun control, but living, breathing for abortion, which is hypocritical in itself. And... Uh, you know, we're seeing them kind of gaslight maybe the drive-by headline appreciators and politically uneducated into uh, maybe making some bad decisions uh, based on this ruling. Well, I mean, you also have people like um, AOC and Maxine Waters out there um, literally in, inciting people to take to the streets and, and participate in political violence. So uh, it's just gross hypocrisy from these people, especially while we have the January 6th trials going yeah. on and they're raising their arms and fists about terrorism and all sorts of other nonsense uh, allegedly surrounding January 6th. And here they are in crowds of people chanting for people to go to the streets and, and do something about it because it's unjust and it's unjustified. So it's just it's just blatant hypocrisy. And it's, not, it's nothing new and it shouldn't be surprising, but it, it just it's a consistent trend and it's uh, it's we're it's going to have its effects. You know, people are going to start taking to the streets if they haven't, you know, I am not up to date on it this very second. If anyone's done anything insane yet, but we saw what happened with BLM. We saw what right. happened with Antifa and there's no reason to anticipate that it won't be equally as crazy. Do you think if the decision was different, they would be out there with a the megaphone chanting to go into the sheets? Oh, I like that. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's very funny. Um, now, Kim, you made a really good point. You, you made a comparison to the January 6th committee, well, the sham trial that's going on right now. Um, big right. nothing burger as far as we're concerned. When you just look at the receipts, it's a lot of selectively edited interviews and then the commentary that kind of fills in the gaps that they're trying to make up. 
Uh, but we've seen them bounced from primetime uh, over the last two weeks, reschedule one of last week's hearings, and then cancel tonight's, which was supposed to be in primetime as well. Do you think with the possibility of street justice going on in, in the Capitol tonight, that's probably why it would, it would be really bad form to be talking about like Donald Trump inciting things that happened on January 6th when the radical progressive left is literally inciting the same thing to go on in the streets of D.C. tonight? Oh, absolutely. They don't want to highlight their own hypocrisy and that would do exactly that. It would, it would draw, you would be able to draw, I mean, you can already draw so many comparisons. Like I said, they've blatantly been hypocritical about their judgments on like what is a domestic terrorist and what isn't. And um, to have them going on simultaneously, I think they would lose their minds or it would just, um, it would completely crumble from under them. So it, I think it's definitely strategic. Yeah, I watched that MSNBC clip uh, the other day where the guy was like, no, I'm sorry, it was uh, it was Jake Tapper, so it was CNN, and he was literally trying to get the lady to, to give relevance and life to the January 6th committee. And after, like, kind of her leading her down that road, she's like, I've honestly talked to people up in Washington, D.C. at, like, the highest levels, and we're talking about people who have a lot of control there, and they don't give a fuck about January 6th. <laughs> and he was just sitting there like, okay, moving on. So... <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, Kim, you do some great things over at the National File. I've been a, a big fan of you guys for a long time. We, we've had one of your former editor-in-chiefs on the show before as well. So, you know, since the beginning of our show, we've been tracking you guys. You guys do a lot of great investigative journalism. And, and one of the things that I've always pointed out about the National File, because believe it or not, we give show credits to you guys at the ends of, of mm-hmm. all of our shows because we pull stuff from, you know, some of the investigative work that you guys are doing. I think – what you can really rest your hat on is you guys will get ahead of something like sometimes months before legacy media, because you guys have no fear in like finding out the facts and then getting them out there and then pretty much lapping everybody in the news cycle. Um, you want to talk about a little bit about what you do and then some of the other great stuff that's going on down there at the national file right now. Absolutely. Well, right now we're currently covering Roe v. Wade where um, we just released an article Um, basically highlighting the hypocrisy of AOC and Maxine Waters calling for political violence. But um, the, you know, I've, I've been with the national file since the very beginning. And what I can confirm is that I, you know, I've never brought an idea for a story to them that they've rejected. Um, I, you know, we're all very thorough with our work and we all take our jobs very seriously. Uh, Sorry about the dog in the background. Um, We got one here too. You know, we just, as, as a team, we find it very important to not only stay ahead, um, but to keep to keep things honest. And a lot of legacy media aren't are, are afraid to cover what we cover. Um, even recently, with a, with some stuff that's been going on with my contacts over at Warrior, Warriors for Christ, right? You know, Christian Post won't cover their stuff anymore, but I'll cover it. You know what I'm saying? Like we we we're not fearful of exposing the truth and that goes for everybody on my team. And, you know, I'll, I'll put, shout out Patrick Howley cause he's yep. one of the, you know, he's one of the original group just like me. And, you know, he's one of the most fearless journalists I've ever encountered in my entire life. And he's faced so much backlash from the legacy media and from even, you know, people shooting right from, from the political right. And he's still staying strong and we're still plugging away. So uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great team to work for. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly, you know, listening to people who send us leads and we're not afraid to speak the truth, even when, you know, it'll get us harassed or targeted. And we have been harassed and targeted. It's happened many times. 
No, that's a, that's, that's a really good point. You guys have always come under heavy scrutiny and attacks. But there's been so many times where I've seen you guys publish the articles. I've seen them come across on Facebook or when I visited the site. And it's like, months ago we were told this was fake news. It turns out the National File was right. And it's like article after article after article. And and it goes to right. some of the great journalists you guys have over there. Um, you, you've been like... And just to say, like, your content and, and some of your narrative have made it to places like Infowar, been featured on Band Video, and, and even on Tim Pool. So how, how are those experiences, like, kind of, like, crossing over into those worlds and mixing with those people? Well, um, actually, Tim Pool, the Tim Pool um, appearance is really when I got my, dipped my toe in political commentary. Um, I was working for a local coffee shop, actually. <laughs> And I made someone made a comment about um, like killing Alex Jones and having him shot in the street. And I pointed out like that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, how can you stand against gun violence and then say Alex Jones should get gunned down in the street? And right. Sure enough, the next day I was taken off the schedule and I was not welcome back there anymore. Wow. So um, when that came to light, Tim Poole reached out to me and just said, hey, like, let's talk about it. So, you know, we had had some mutual friends and, uh, you know, he's a good guy. Um, I, I appreciate a lot of what he does. We don't always see eye to eye, but I don't know anybody that I see eye to eye with all the time. And uh, that actually, I went from there. Um, I worked with big league politics for five seconds mm -hmm. and then was brought over to national file when that team started up. So that really like start, started it all going. And then um, I started doing more um, first amendment and second amendment advocacy. I started a group called the motivated armed gun owning Americans. Nice. And we've been featured on, um, armed American radio. We've had live streams with like 40,000 people. It was just really incredible. And, um, I also, I did a major expose on the FBI harassing what you, who you may recognize as a gypsy crusader <laughs> before he went full blown joker on everybody. And, um, I went on info. I think I went on Infowars about that. They, they at least published out a band, not video, but I went on Infowars a few times. Um, and I co-hosted, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a pregnancy brain moment. Um, Owen Schroyer's <laughs> yeah. segment when we were at CPAC 2020. So, um, you know, National File has worked pretty closely with those guys. Yeah. And we, we have a lot of crossover and they cover a lot of our stuff and they're incredible. You know, I've been following Infowars for as long as I've been politically inclined and they're a great team over there. And Alex is just one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. So it's just, it's really nice to be able to have that sort of like, in my professional circle, like being able to advocate for these guys and being able to stand on the same side and fight the same fights. It's really been incredible. No, that's, that's awesome to hear, you know, all those different ponds that you've dipped your uh, toe in and, and crossed over with have definitely, you know, helped highlight some of the great work that you've done throughout your career, but, and, and in some instances launched it. But uh, now, now you talked about first and second amendment rights. How do you feel about that SCOTUS decision that came down yesterday, which affects the case out of New York? Well, I mean, it's just it's fascinating that it came out of New York. It's not something I would have anticipated for the state of New York at all. But um, have, I'm from New York, so I'm personally excited that it's a however small of a victory. It is a victory in and of itself. Um, standing up for people to be able to conceal carry is a is a major major issue, and it's something that we are promised in the in the founding of this nation. And I think that that's you know, especially if you're someone who's like wants to defend the constitution as all these people who are defending Roe v. Wade claim that they're trying to do, you would stand up for the second amendment. You would stand up for individual rights. And 
it, it's it's been a major fight for me since, like I said, since I became politically inclined at all. Now, did it surprise you with the, some of the rhetoric that came out of the governor's office there yesterday saying that, you know, that decision was not only illegitimate, but they're not going to uh, pretty much adhere to it in the state of New York? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's basically, like I said, it's more, um, I think it's more of like a, a front because there, you know, there is a lot of people still in New York who would disagree with that movement. And right. um a lot of them are politically, or, you know, a lot of them are the politicians, but I think that's more of him being a mouthpiece to his constituents because it's not as if that the it's in for, it's not enforceable. It's totally enforceable. And for the, the, him to basically say that, like, oh, we'll fly above the letter of the law, even though this was determined, you know, by our own state, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to be, I, I don't think it's a legitimate claim. I think it's something that he's saying in order to be the mouthpiece for the, the people that, like I said, his constituents. Yeah, and it's like, uh, yeah, it, it's a two two pronged uh, sword there that they're kind of playing with. They're saying that like they're not going to acknowledge the fact that people can conceal carry in the state of New York now. However, they're so f- much against when it was out there with Rudy Giuliani stop and frisk. And essentially, if you were going to start kind of shaking people down to see if they were concealed carrying, you'd have to start stopping and frisking people nah, again. So got it's like they, right. almost, they almost backed themselves into the corner with their insane and, and ludicrous, uh, you know, stuff that they always like to go out there and uh, pump out to the constituents. Well, I like I always say, they're three questions away from breaking their own <laughs> logic. Like you can't that you can't engage in a conversation with people who believe this kind of nonsense and and um in any sort of meaningful way because their logic disintegrates as soon as you press any sort of questioning on them. And this is just another one of those examples where they're, they're claiming to be on one side and they're not, you know, like I said, they're pandering. So like they, they've, you know, the, the other shoes got to drop and it, and it does every time. Yeah. You know, one thing that I've been wanting to ask you, I, I didn't want to talk to you about it in, you know, the, the text that we were having because I didn't kind of want to ruin it, but I want to, I want to hear, you know, organically, like politically and ideologically, where do you line up as far as like, I mean, we're in America first as we tout ourselves as podcast constitutionalists. And, you know, we, we, we do a lot of, we have a lot of people on who are in the political spectrum, whether they were from the former administration or uh, political candidates and people like that, a lot of pundits uh, and, 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 you know, it, everybody's opinion varies. It's kind of like the 50 shades of MAGA on here. But, right. but, but I mean, where do you line up ideologically? Um, I would say, you know, like I, I'm an American nationalist. Like I, I'm, I'm more right wing leaning, but as far as, um, the polit, I think the political parties are both the, they are two sides of the same coin. Yes. I don't necessarily feel comfortable calling myself a Republican because that doesn't feel genuine. Um, and I don't, there's so much of the Republican party that, you know, makes me, really disgusted um but the fact of the matter is like i still i'm very right wing i'm conservative for whatever that stands for anymore because i feel like the conservative movement is honestly pretty dead but first and foremost i'm america first and i want what's best for my country and i want what's best for my community and i want what's best for you know my family my family extends to the rest of this country and i i do strongly believe that um that means like sticking to the constitution and that means um, focusing on American problems first rather than uh, extending to any other, you know, whether it's Israel or the Ukraine or Russia 
or China, you know, we, I, I really am about America first. And I, uh, I wish more people in the America first movement actually stuck to that principle. Yeah, that's a good point you make there. And then, uh, so we're, we're in a really weird time for, for our political party. We also don't really like to, to identify as like Republican cause that has so much of an establishment tone to it. But, uh, we line up in the America first movement. I, I think this whole political season right now that we're in heading into the 2022 midterms. Yes, it's not as good as it could have been, but there is a lot of change in, in regards to like the candidate caliber that's out there right now. As far as like the elections go right now, I'm not necessarily entirely focused on the Republican party. Cause I'm, I don't really have faith in the elections in the first place. And I don't necessarily think that, a lot of the people who are like representing supposedly America first are, you know, actually America first. Um, no, I get it. What about, uh, are you as maybe opinionated as a, uh, well, you have a family member who's got, you know, she, she, she kind of holds the establishment to, uh, to task. And, uh, right. it, it's definitely a firebrand when it comes to, uh, you know, defining what America first is, and then severely contrasting that to what some of the stuff we've seen over the past couple of years is, are you kind of in that narrative as well, where you'd like to see it actually be America first and people just run on saying it is? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and people, people give Anne a lot of grief for turning on Donald Trump, but I'm honestly with her, you know, it's, um, she's, she's spot on. She's like, she made the archetype for the um, female political commentator and reporter and there's a reason people still listen to her to this day. And, and the, you know, there is a lot that we disagree on, but her holding the, her holding Americans feet to the fire about actually sticking to America first principles is something that I really admire about her. Yeah. I tell you what, we've yeah. seen a lot of the establishment Republicans over the last year and a half with the Biden administration uh, pump out some America last policy. So uh, regardless of how we feel about president Trump, we like him on this show. We think, you know, he's still the leader of this, movement that's going on right now, although there are some other candidates kind of uh, looking to possibly challenge him in the, uh, you know, presidential primary season next year. But the fact of the matter is, is that there was a lot of, you know, he had to deal with all of the establishment, Chris Christie and and staffers of those people going into the administration, the Paul Ryans. And then you got to after the midterms when they lost power in the House. And uh, you saw the legislation get kind of he was going to do it by himself or he wasn't going to do it at all because he wasn't going to get any help from the House and Senate. So a lot of work to be done in the party. I'm definitely not satisfied with like what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. And if the numbers don't work out in the midterm elections, we're going to see a lot more of the same uh, from the establishment side of it. You know, they'll talk about lowering taxes, fixing immigration by amnesty and then not taxing and tariff all of our like economic rivals to uh you know, kind of help out our country's economy, which is, I mean, we're seeing Joe Biden ready to sign off on those Trump era taxes on China. I think he's going to do it next week. And um, that's just going to put a whole bunch of more money in their pocket and make the inflation here worse. Right. Well, honestly, in a, in a perfect world, and I don't see this ever actually happening, but um, as far as like a future presidency goes, I would say um, I would like to see DeSantis and I would like to see Trump as the Speaker of the House because he would be able to do a lot of the things that he claimed he wanted to do and wasn't really necessarily, um, you know, capable of doing as president. I, I think that he would have more power as Speaker of the House. And I think that uh, DeSantis presidency and a, and a Trump Speaker of the House would be 
an ideal situation, but um, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. And um, I don't, I don't know like what the alternative is that I would be in favor of. I don't necessarily think he should be president again. So, you know, I, I became a hardcore Trump fan um, right after the 2016 election. And I, there is a lot about Trump that I absolutely admire. I don't think I'm nearly as hardline about, about him and (laughs) it's necessarily, but I do see where there are problems and I did see where he fell short. Um, like I said, that that would be my ideal situation, but it's unlikely to happen. So in the realm of possibility, we just got to focus on making sure whoever we get in there is actually going to play hardball. And, you know, people think that, you know, people say that Trump was just like fascist and all this other stuff. And I'm hoping they'll, they'll see what that actually looks like when they take a look at the Biden presidency and decide alternatively. <laughs> Yeah, you can't you can't just sit there and be like, no, things were definitely better. Mm, the adults things are, are definitely the, better now. The adults are in charge. Of so much back. better, so much better. Oh yeah. No, well, I, I mean, at this point, he's also demented. I mean, it's, I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm, I think they're literally propping this guy up in front of the yeah. in front of the cameras, and uh, it's quite frankly, in my opinion, elder abuse at this stage. You know, he's not competent. Well, and you see little tears of the of the screen too, because it's of like fabric of his brain. He's, no, but he's in there. And they're, you know, they're propping him up as, quote unquote, the the president and mm-hmm. basically just undermining the things that he says. And he's getting mad about it. Like, well, there's been <laughs> reporting that he gets mad and, and like confused. and yells at people yep. about, no, this, I'm the president. That's what I said. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, calm down, old man. Yeah, read, read the card. You want your ice cream? You better lower that yeah. voice. You <laughs> will say what we tell you. No, you know what, Kim? Uh, people have a. Uh, Hypothesize some of the same things: possible Trump House Speaker Ron DeSantis as president. That would make people's brains melt. I see a lot of those things happening. They just might not happen in that chronological order. We might see Donald Trump maybe pop in to be the Speaker of the House for 100, 120 days after the midterm elections this year, and then go off to the generals. And I think Ron DeSantis, I like him a lot. I think he he could probably set himself up to be an eight year president. But after such a narrow win five years ago, I think he really needs to continue to grow and make Florida a red state again. Well, who's the backup for Florida? Yeah. He bailed. Yeah, he is there one? The, the Democrats probably win then. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I, unfortunately that probably would mean sacrificing Florida, but um, ultimately I think that would be for the betterment of the country there. Like I said, there's, you know, there isn't a single political person or, um, you know, politician, commentator, whoever that I agree with a hundred percent, but we need somebody that's going to be as play hardball as well as Ron DeSantis has been. And he certainly did during COVID. You're 100% correct there. Kim, this has been great getting to sit down with you and uh, hang out for the first time. I definitely would like you to come back and guest host us with us in the future. You could do uh, some of the news with us to where we can go through all the bullshit that's going on throughout the course of the week and play some audio clips with it, and then we could all just like make fun of it like we do on the show all the time. So we're hoping that you'd uh, be willing to come back at some point in the future. Absolutely. That sounds like a lot of fun. And then why don't you tell all of our listenership, if they're not already following you, uh, where they could find you and the, and the National File. All right. Well, you can find us at the National File. We're on Twitter, Telegram, Instagram, Gab, Parler. I'm hoping – I think we're on True – yeah, we're on True Social. Um, we publish, you know, anywhere from like six to eight articles a day, sometimes yep. more. So if you want to follow us there, go to nationalfile.com. 
Uh, follow us on all social media. I finally got my Twitter back, so you can follow me at Coulter Culture nice. on Twitter. Um, and you can I, I'm building my alt platforms. That's all going to be Coulter Culture, Gab, um, Parlor, uh, Telegram. It's all Coulter Culture. But on Instagram, it's at Real Kim Coulter. We're going to live link those in the show description this, today. And like I said, we're going to look forward to uh, having you back on the show at some point in the near future. This is a journalist and the dig- director of digital content for The National File. Kim Coulter, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. All right. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Well, pretty amazing way to end the week. We had another uh, unscheduled rescheduled with the Daily Caller's Jorge Ventura. But uh, he's working extra hard down there on the border. And uh, I can... Speculate that he'll be on the show very soon. Um, but if you'd like to hear all of the great content that you've heard today, in addition to the other 145 Steak for Breakfast podcasts, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app. We're also now on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our great guest today, obviously Congressman Devin Nunes, current CEO of TMTG, running true social over there, congressional candidate running in the U.S. Senate out of Arizona, Blake Masters. Appreciate him coming back on. And uh, digital content creator from the National File, Kim Coulter. Awesome sitting down with her for the first time. It, sh- it surely won't be the last. Friends, don't forget to go out and... Uh, Give a little love to our partners. When you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. We hate communism. Not too big of a fan of China either. They're cranking down on Mike Lindell. We all know what happened with Walmart. Get in there. Get on the website. Promo code steak at checkout. You get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is where you find it, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things audio-related can be found at Odyssey. Uh, get those ear needs done, up, and taken care of. They'll do you right over there. You throw them a little cash, they'll uh, make sure your ears are hearing the highest quality of sounds. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay Ready Gear Holsters. If uh, you want a picture of Fed Chair Jerome Powell literally being brought to speechlessness by Senator Ted Kennedy. They'll throw it on a concealed carry Kydex holster for you and get the orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs! We didn't have any man rubs on our sausages today. And we make this the most colorful uh, advertisement of them all. But when applicable, we buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, smoke it, barbecue sauce. We're going with the Hawaiian rolls this week. Maybe I, even a little cabbage. I was so hungry, I just opened the package and dumped it directly on the grill. Minus the man rubs. Throw it in our mouth. Num, num, num. Oh. Manrubs.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram. West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty easy gun-related equation to take care of all your needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. Mike's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love the gear they got coming out of there. You're going to love their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, I'm looking at our Walter version 2 Zero Fucks Duck in here in the lab on the table. Don't know? 
Hit up Marcho Friday. Dumpbox.us are on Facebook and Instagram, too. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Tuesday. Already got our confirmations. We're going to be sitting down with former U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker and California District 3 nominee Republican side out of California, Kevin Kiley. It's going to be a great show. Next Friday, we're going to wrap the week with uh, three influencers so far. And if we don't have any candidates, then I'm fine with that because I love all three of these people. Vishborough will be joining us to start the show. We're going to do an extended noon segment with Miss Christina Bob of Save America. And for the first time, reached out to him on Instagram, and he said he'd love to come down. Kind of a fan. Nick Adams will be joining us for the first time. Nice. Yep. On the 8th of July, we'll be uh, sitting down with Monica De La Cruz and... Someone who's always in the news, and we love him. Alex Brusewitz will be back. And we've got former Trump administration official Garrett Ziegler joining us on the 15th of July so far. Friends of the week, some of the usuals. Let's go Brenda. Madam America had a good one today. Uh, Hugh White memes. Silent meme Jordy. I just shared one of his of, uh, it was American Psycho standing in front of uh, like a 10-panel all of the lib girls crying because of the SCOTUS decision. It was glorious. Um, grand old memes, mostly peaceful. Happy birthday this week. Don't think I forgot. Um, not far out. Republican actual 2.0. Truth on draft. And baby cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between uh, now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. You know who does his own research apparently? Congressman Devin Nunes. You can ask that guy a question without a really great, long thought out, extended answer. And that's because uh, he knows everything that's going on right now. Number two, start a podcast. Noah? Yep. Easy, easy money today. You're welcome. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about American greatness enough. It's time to start talking about it again. We'll be talking about Donald Trump saying that over the weekend because there's a Trump rally in Illinois this weekend. We'll be bringing it to you on Tuesday. Uh, and last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode number 146 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And on behalf of the team, I'm Roan. Noah? Late. Antoinette? Hi. Have a great weekend, dear. Everyone, thanks for listening. Take care. Joshua won't go home. She stepped in the other room to answer the phone. Gonna be supplying them to industrial level Satanism. So when you see the heads of these IT companies. And when you see these congressmen and people, and when you see all of these people, they rape children. They kill children. They have more respect for a filet mignon they're going to eat and the cow they killed than they do your children. In fact, it's not just they don't care about your kids. They want to hurt your kids. They want to rape your children. And if they can't stick their filthy genitals in them and pump disease into them that way. Oh yeah, the Pope's one of them big time.
If they can't do that, they're going to inject them with deadly poison that mutates their bodies and attacks their DNA for multi-generations. But God will deliver us from this evil.